I was the first. This is Music Relish Show number 47, and I'm here with Lou and Mark. Hello. Hey, guys. Hello, guys. We're going to cover a lot of ground tonight. We're going to talk about Julian Lennon's debut album called Volat. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to tackle a lot of random subjects during the Random Relish uh, Talking Point segment. We're also going to listen to some jump tracks tonight and uh, have a nice little uh, guess about uh, which jump tracks they are. Maybe later on we'll talk about XTC from 1979 for a little bit. Nice. And, the English uh, band XTC. The English band XTC. Yep. Yep. From, uh, where are they from? Swannanoa or something like that? Swindon. I think they're from Swindon. Swindon. Yeah, that's Which is right next door to Shropshire. <laughs> is that, I, th- I think of that actor, the really pale actor, tall, uh, thin lady. Tilda Swindon. Tilda Swindon. Shropshire. It was the best of shires. It was the worst of shires. And I had a shag in a shire. But I, I'd first let's just talk a little bit if you guys would indulge me about the t- 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees, Clown Car, and <laughs> some of some of who's been inducted and some of who've been snubbed, which is uh, <laughs> yeah. which is a shame. I have a great idea for a supergroup. What do you have an idea for? Uh, all these musicians who constantly been denied they should form a supergroup called the Snubs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Snubs, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, Cheryl Crow, of course, is you know getting in, and okay, whatever, you know. Sure, Cheryl Crow's in, but Warren Zevon's not in. So I got to give you credit, Perry. Two years ago, you were predicting this that Cheryl yes, Crow was going to get in. You were right. So if you make a documentary, you get in Rock and Roll. Correct. It so if we Go-Go's, make a documentary, yes, yes. <laughs> Well, we're actually working on a documentary, by the way. We are. We are. Yeah. About some group called Edenville. Edenville. Yeah. They're pretty nice. good. I mean, we have a ways to go, but uh, thy will be done. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, yeah. So, Tribe Called Quest snubbed. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Joy Division. Snubbed. Joy Division slash New Order snubbed. Now, wow. I'm glad Kate Bush got in. She deserves to be yeah, in Kate sure. Bush, right? Yeah. Anyone else you can think of that? Uh... Joy Division, well, was it their first shot at the ballot the first time? Might have been. Might have been. Wow. They are so influential, and they are so well-known. Yes. Yeah. Cindy Lauper got snubbed. I'm not happy with that because... I Some could not them. listen to her t- do a speech. I could not listen to her. <laughs> well, her that's voice. an act. That's an act. She would push that drug. Really? Is really an passionate. act? Is it like Gilbert Godfrey's voice where he really talks normal? And uh, yeah, do you I think, think it's like kind of like I, I, I got to wonder if it's not a put on. I, I saw, I think she does a pharmaceutical commercial now. That's what I was going to say. But she would hawk that if she got her speech, you know? Slantic. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, there is, I think she's Long Island or Queens, right? So who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe we shouldn't say that. She's another one. We, we've talked about this. On. There's artists that you like or you respect, but are they ready yeah. for the Rock and Roll of Fame? No. What has she done? Like, yeah. I know she was a big presence and she had hits, but really Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I don't know about right. that. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah and I, I also, I think she, I mean, she, she had a pretty good background before, before mm-hmm. that. She was in a band called Blue Angel. Um, 
you know, so I, I think, you know, a continued impact upon the industry. You know, definitely, definitely not. Not to deny the big impact of girls just want to have fun or that was even yeah. the name of the record. Oh, yeah, record. yeah. Yep. But, you know, and it was cool, you know, and all about empowerment, you know, but continued input. No, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And also snubbed were Soundgarden. Hmm. That's bullshit. Yeah. I, th- I yep. think I think they should be in. It's like, do, do they consider it like, you know well, we already let a, a one Seattle band in or something like, I mean, I don't know the thinking that's involved. Yeah. And I think but, they were the better band than Nirvana, but that's a very controversial opinion, but I like them. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a good argument for that. Also, the fact that I think they wrote one of the best all time. If you could define a classic oh. rock song, Black Hole Sun is Black about Hole as classic Sun. rock yeah. to me is, is Light My Fire or Don't At, Fear the Reaper. Without a or, doubt. Or, yeah. you know, Smoke on the Water, anything like that. I think it's um, the the whole sound of that, that song, the production, the playing, the singing. Um, that, we, that, weird, that weird ass yeah. video. Yeah. That creepy video. Oh, that was. Mike Stripes <laughs> also got snubbed. Yeah. I don't um, know how I feel about that. White uh, Stripes. Which, Maybe who? too soon. White Stripes. Jack White. You know, you know, you know something? I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. They were unique, and Jack White, I'm surprised they didn't get in, only because Jack White is such a big player in the industry. He shows up everywhere. He's kind of yeah. like a Dave Grohl. But, but there's plenty it's... of time for that. Yeah, plenty of time. Yeah. He's in his 50s. They'll get in. Well, in their 50s, but, I mean, the, the White Stripes, I, to me, that, that's another band that had, you know, a, a few songs that people, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that period of time, it wasn't, wasn't a long period of time. Like, how long did that impact go? I think, I, I think Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should be something where you've sustained you know, also, Jack, in individual yeah. ways, you know, he's he's a producer. And like you said, he's a player. But Jack White yeah. maybe would get inducted on his own because he had the raconteurs who are huge. He's done a lot besides White Stripes yeah. in production, like you just mentioned. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, he's been a solo artist much longer than the White Stripes were together. Yeah. 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 So he yeah. might get in on his own somehow with those special oh. awards. Also, I, I have to separate my, my taste, whether like I think I like the artist or not and whether I think yes. they should be in. Yeah. But yeah. like I said, I, I don't know. I know he's produced a lot, but well, that's I think a, Hall of Fame material. I think that's. I think still think it's a little further. You down just the made road. a great point because Iron Maiden were snubbed also. Oh, I think that's they should be in. Yeah, they yeah. should be in. Well, that, the point you just made is speaks Sustained. of Iron Maiden, not a, right. You yeah. can step outside the box. You know, you might not be a fan, but you know right. they deserve to if you were on yeah. the board, yeah. right? But they got two they, counts against on... them. They they're they're heavy metal. That always gets snubbed. It's hard to get in. <laughs> That and prog, yeah. right? And right. Uh, um, even though they've sold, they've sold a lot of albums. They haven't made hits, and that's part of right. it. But you're right on what they've done. Absolutely, I think. And I grew up a Judas Priest fan, but they should have been in before Judas Priest, in my opinion. I know they're much younger than them, but they've achieved so much for uh, yeah. heavy metal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now they here's who's... Judas Priest had those hits, though. Do you know why yeah. all yeah. rock critics? You know why yeah. all rock critics like Elvis Costello? Because he'll look like Elvis Costello. <laughs> yeah. So here's right. who's getting in. Uh, the, the, the induction is November 3rd. Rage Against the Machine. Kate Bush. Willie Nelson. Cheryl Crow. Missy Elliott. Chaka Khan. And finally, George Michael. And the Spinners. It's not bad. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not bad at all. Actually, you know, we're always doing this. Oh, so and so should have gotten in. It's actually a pretty good list. Yeah, yeah. Except for Cheryl. 
Now, they're also going to add in, I don't know if they're at, they have a special category, like maybe it's musicians or sidemen or whatever it is. Mm. They're going to add in DJ Cool Herc. I don't know who that is. Our friend Scott would know. Link Ray. Yeah. yeah. Yep, Scott Link Ray. Probably oh, would yeah. know. Link Ray. Link Good. Ray. Mm-hmm. Al Cooper. <clears throat> Good. Al Cooper's getting in. He should mm-hmm. be in. Yeah. The Forrest Gump of rock and roll. <laughs> Bernie Taupin. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Soul Rider, come on, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah but these are the the the, the, what, the Merkin Awards. Like, <laughs> these are the ones like they they they're going in on a different category. They're not, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. Don't forget that's how Judas Priest got in. They weren't a regular inductee. They got a special award. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah for staying around for so long, right? Uh, <laughs> and also Don Cornelius. Oh, oh wow, that interesting. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. Soul like, Train. So, you know, is Dick Clark in the, you know what I mean? Like, he's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. Dick Clark is still alive. He, he's like Ted Williams. His he head is, is not. Like, Dick his Clark head's is in a, not alive. No, his head's in a cryo thing. Oh, he's cryogenically yeah. frozen. <laughs> cryogenic? You have to take your head off to do that, right? <laughs> cryogenic yeah, You have to be beheaded. That's you it. have to be decapitated. <laughs> <laughs> like Ted Williams, the baseball player. Oh, jeez. It's a baseball. That's so weird. <laughs> it's like the man with it's like the man with two heads, like Rosie Greer and Ray Moland. Oh, all my head grafted on Mark's shoulders. So, like you were saying, you know, yeah, documentary yeah. about you. Yep, next year you get nominated. You know, worked for the Go Go's had a documentary. They're in the Hall of Fame. Tina Turner had documentary. She's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So okay, right? the, the conspiracy tie-in. All these yes. documentaries are they produced by the same people? Could be. I don't know. Yeah, right. I don't know. We should, we should work on that. We should look at yeah. that. There's definitely but some like, artists who, who the industry supports them getting in, so the industry supports making yeah. a documentary on them. And yeah. behind like the scenes, you said, come on, put them in. You know? But like you said, Mark, you said, the. in fact, last year you said, well, the fans get to vote, but they only get like one point or something, yeah. or, right? Yep. How does that work again? It, it's very small. Like you could have a million people vote for Iron Maiden. It only gives them one point, and I don't know how that process works, but it doesn't. Like, you could have everybody in the country vote for one person. That doesn't yeah. get them in. It's only, like, one point, and then you've got the guys that pick the Pope behind the uh, curtain with the white smoke. They're the ones that decide it, you know, and uh, and that's oh, how it yeah. works. So yeah. fans, fans are given the illusion that they have a say, but they really don't. So it's really a college of cardinals that decides yeah. who's yeah. Right. the rock and roll of fans. That's, it's black that's smoke why, or white smoke. Yep. Yeah. That's why way yeah. back when they announced the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, do you guys remember that? It was back in the 80s. Like, well, there's going to be a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. I was <laughs> underwhelmed. I'm like, it's kind of bullshit. Like, I don't need to have yeah. rock music. I, I don't know. I just, yep. I knew it wouldn't work right. out. Yeah. You know? The idea was yeah. spawned by about three people, and Armit Erdogan was one of them. Yeah. Who created mm. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, there's and, a good and, guy. Uh, and, and also, yeah, Jan Venner. Jan Venner, we was he Bish. creator of the. He was probably Bish. one of them, yeah. And maybe yeah. who was the other one? Tom Hanks. <laughs> Way back then, when he <laughs> when he was on Bosom Buddies, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, really. He was a member of the O'Neaters. <laughs> when he was he was cross dressing. <laughs> <laughs> was Jimmy Iovine uh, there from the beginning? Was he a, a guy? He who knows, he's who been knows. in the business. That's, for... that's a good question. The origins yeah. of, of the of yeah. the ROR. Yeah. But if you could look it up, there's like who there was a, a committee of maybe three or four people or maybe five. They were sitting at a dinner table somewhere in a restaurant, probably in L.A. Colonel and Sanders dreamed this up. It was Ahmed Erdogan 
who actually right. said, I, I see a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or he may have even said it, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, okay. You know what I'm going to do? Yeah. Next week, what are you gonna do? I'll look that up, and I'll tell you exactly how it went down. I will track down an eyewitness. Cool. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and now, I, I'm actually, I have to mention Amit Erdogan tonight. Oh, really? Okay. Yo, the legendary Amit Erdogan. Okay. Atlantic well, Records. I, I think that, uh, Lou, you had mentioned uh, to us about Julian Lennon's debut album called Vala, and I haven't heard it in ages. But I, I did never heard. To, it. I, I owned it. I think at one point. Really? Okay. On LP. Yeah. I did not know that. Okay. You never gave that to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not my milk crate in my studio. <laughs> maybe maybe it's in my private stock. <laughs> the reserve. Ooh. Yeah. The elite discs. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Our our good buddy Sotmitter Singh actually sent me via. Uh, he messaged me the YouTube version. Uh, uh, his Valat on YouTube, the song Valat yeah. from the album Valat. And I hadn't heard it in a long time, too. And I listened to it. I'm like, that's, that's a good song. You know, How, it's, it's what really, song is that? Just, what song is Valat? Sitting on a pebble by the river that, playing guitar. That's called Valat? That, that's the yeah. That's also the name of the album. So it's the title how, track from the album. That was it's very John Lennon-like, you know, sitting yeah. on a pebble, right? Yeah, yeah which it's is a like haunting a rock. song. Yeah. Very haunting. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It yeah. is. The... um. So it, it's Julian Lennon, who was John Lennon's first child. He is 60 years old now, Julian Lennon. Wow. He was, he was probably 22, 23 when he put this record out. Um, it was, like you said, I think you said it was produced by Phil Ramone, um, very famous yeah, producer. Yep. He produced Billy Joel, amongst other things. Um, well, he, he won a Grammy for his work on some uh, very well-known albums. So it was released in 1984 on Charisma Records and also Atlantic. It was, it was a certified gold record. Uh, People who have heard his music will know his uh, two top ten hits. Uh, too Late for Goodbyes was the it's first much single. much too late yep. for goodbye. That, that was that, a great that song. Since yeah. been, it, it, a very, very catchy song, very 80s. Yeah. The production was very 80s. That was a number five in the U.S. Billboard. And he was doing that vocalizing like his dad would have done. I've been wanting to go. Right? Going into the falsetto, yeah. yep. yep. And yep. sounding very much like his father. I mean, it's... Yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's the kind of thing, you know, he, I think he was kind of criticized for sounding like his dad a lot. But, you know, yeah. g- genetics will do that. There's a reason why the Bee Gees sure. sounded like they sounded. There were, there were three yeah. brothers and, you know, it's yeah. genetics play, plays There's a role. The reason like that. the brother kind of sounded like them, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And Danny Harrison with, with his own father, you know, you know, George Harrison of the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Yeah, so Vallot, the single Vallot was the second single from the record. I thought it was the first. I thought I remember hearing that first. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Oh, and that was a number nine in, in U.S. So, you know, two top ten hits from yeah. the summer. Yeah, this of, this was video Beatles. times, too. MTV times, right? Y- yes, there was. And yeah. he wrote most of the songs. There, um, He collaborated with two friends, Justin Clayton and Carlton Morales, uh, two guitar players that are on the album. So they wrote some of the songs, but he wrote a lot of the stuff himself, apparently. Uh, from what I could read, read. Cool. You know, I heard some stories too, saying like you know the other guys were maybe had a bigger hand in it that they said. But well, who knows? You know, you, on the video for Valat, you see him playing the keyboard. It looks like he's playing legitimately. So you know, and he does have some talent genes in his his pool. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so the album was recorded. This is pretty cool at um, Muscle Shoals Studios, Muscle uh, Muscle Shoals Sound Studios. Wow, so we're in Alabama. That's in Alabama. Yep, the Hit Factory in New York City. 
A&R Recording Studios, which is a studio I think Phil Ramone actually has. He's a partner in that. Yeah. Uh, Clinton Recording Studios. Uh, they were there all New York City. Mm-hmm. And Bear Track Studios in Suffern, New York, which is right over the border of North Jersey where Perry and I live. Mark's from. Mark, you're a stone's yep. throw from there. About 15 minutes uh, away from me. Okay. I and, never. I don't think I'd ever heard of them. Have we ever mentioned them? They are owned by two members of a jazz oh, Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, is yeah, the studio closed? Jay Beckenstein, I, mean, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it closed in 2006. It was open for open for about 25 years. Oh, I, okay. I like to mention Bear Tracks after we talk about Volat because they have a pretty interesting client roster. I was Ooh. just going to say, I'll, I'll, I have a favorite band of mine that recorded a couple albums there. Yes, but we'll you do. Then. Yes, yeah. you do. Yeah. I'll let you bring it up. <laughs> really? Uh, feel free to, Mark. Um, really? Anyway, so... You know, what I knew of Julian Lennon was obviously, besides being John Lennon's son, uh, when the album came out, I just heard I heard the two singles and maybe one other, the third or fourth singles weren't as well known. That's all mm-hmm. I ever knew. He put a second solo album out not long after that called, I think, The Secret Value of Daydreaming. I remember hearing that. Sounds yep. familiar. The Secret Value of Daydreaming, yeah. I think there, there might have been a hit or two of that, but that was it. That's all I ever heard of Julian. And um, so... Scott Miller sending me that the song a lot renewed my interest. So I listened to the album and I, I, I gotta say it was, I'm, it was more than I thought it would be. Hmm. And, you know, I have a handful of songs I think are, are, are good. You know, it's, I think some of the reviews were interesting. Um, I'll mention them too, but you know, I thought overall it's a pretty solid record, you know, a, a son of a beetle. I mean, and John Lennon, yeah. you know, he, to have to put that out, you know, also in the shadow and he recorded at the hit factory where John recorded, uh double fantasy so you know it was a, a yeah, visitation yeah. of sorts but overall i think a good effort he's a good singer i'm a very melodic songwriter um so when the, the way he got the uh the record deal was he had to send a demo he sent a demo to a guy named tony stratton of charisma records mm-hmm. he was impressed uh he passed it to Ahmed erdogan who was very impressed with it so that got him signed to atlantic um atlantic records so, so Ahmed he erdogan worked for it he had to work. Yeah, for it, it, he just it, didn't get it because he was, it was not, not on the sun. Yeah, it was not a given, was, and I think yeah. he was probably a little tentative about it, being as his father, you know, who he was. Mm-hmm. A lot of pressure. Um, yeah. Looking so, a lot yeah. like him, by the way, too. Yeah, it looks a lot like him, and so they recorded. Now they got the name of the album Valat from this chateau. There's a chateau in France that the uh, the band got to play in and write and finish up the material in in, in France, which is that's kind of nice. Yeah, uh, it was the chateau. It was called the um, Manoir de Valat. And so really, that, that's, that's where that one, came from, huh? That's where the name of the album and, and the song came from. Uh, the reason he wanted to work with uh, Phil Ramone was because he was impressed with Billy Joel's and Nylon Curtain, which there's a ver- there's a lot of Lennon esque stuff on on that album. Mm. Where I think Paul, I think Billy Joel said he was going more for Paul McCartney, but ended up more John Lennon. Was Phil Ramone producing Billy Joel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. He, he, no, he he was he produced the uh, the Stranger, Phil Ramone. And there's a, um, several albums of Billy Joel's that he produced. So that's gave Julian the idea. I, I think mm. reason, because on Nylon Curtain, there's some songs that are very Lennon-like. I think it's one of Billy Joel's best records, too. Yeah. Not being one of his last great either. ones, too. Yeah. Um, so the, the videos, this was interesting. The videos were directed by the legendary uh, American film director and screenwriter, Sam Peckinpah. Wow. So, yeah. So the videos for a lot, Too Late, uh, Too Late for Goodbyes, were recorded by That's amazing. Yeah, Wait, you're saying I, Sam Peckinpah? Yeah. 
directed Nobody went in the studio the video with a gun for, uh, and shot up everybody. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, he, wow. he directed the Wild Bunch. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, kind of uh, says what you can do, you know, black and white or, you know, the bronze looking thing, you know? Yeah. 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 Right? Well, he also wow. he, he directed uh, a Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got a little, little side note here. Do you know why um, the reason why Sam Peckinpah wanted to work with the screenwriter of Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid? Because this screenwriter, I forgot his name, Michael something. He wrote the screenplay for kind of a cult movie from 1971, Tulane Blacktop. Hmm. Does it ring a bell? Saw it. Yeah. Yes. James Taylor. James Taylor is in it. He's the star. Yep. Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys. Laurie mm-hmm. uh, Bird and uh, the great character actor Warren Oates. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's a cult movie, kind of like it's, Easy it's Rider, yeah. you know that kind War, of thing. Warren Oates was also in, in the Wild Bunch. Well, anyway, so this was the man that directed Julian Lennon's two videos. That's, wow. that's pretty wow. wild. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, the video for of Lot is interesting. It's filmed very well. I, I went, you yeah, know, yeah. looked back on it. I said, okay, it's you know, stylish. Yeah, yeah, it is very stylish. And yeah, you know, I think uh, Julian was wise not to play it too. You know, he's playing very, right. very laid back. You know, he wasn't, he didn't, did, didn't, you know, he wasn't going to do a Billy Squire thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> video killed the radio star. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, um. So uh, those songs were catchy. Like I, I remember thinking, I said, this sounds very eighties. And of course it was, it was like 84, yeah, yep. um, you know, modern production. So um, he was nominated for a Grammy for uh, best new artist in 1995. Uh, he was nominated for a couple of MTV, MTV video awards. Uh, Valat was nominated, nominated for best video by a new artist and too late for goodbyes was MTV nominated for best new artist. I don't think he won either one, uh, but now the musicians. So, you know, he recorded this at the famous Muscle Shoals Sound mm-hmm. Studios. So uh, the players on this record, besides Julian on keyboards, I think he's more of a keyboard player than a guitar player. Yeah. And his, and his two friends, um, yep. Barry Beckett played keyboards. That's some serious stuff. You know, he's a yeah. one of the Muscle Shoals guys. That's the wrecking crew of Muscle Shoals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Marcus Miller, the famous Marcus Miller, played a lot of bass on it. Yep. Uh, wow. His, He's all over the place, that guy. I mean, oh, he's great. Every, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, David Hood uh, is a bass player from Muscle Shoals. He was one of the house guys. Uh, Carmine Rojas is a bass player. He was the player on oh, uh, yeah. Bowie's Let's Dance record. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he toured with Julian when Julian went on tour. A great player. And this is my, my personal favorite, and this is legend, a drum legend of all time. Roger Hawkins played drums. Yeah. Oh, wow. So let me give, give a little a rundown of if. People who don't know who Roger Hawkins is, you know all these songs that I'm about to mention. He's a drummer on When a Man Loves a Woman by Percy Sledge, Mustang Sally by Wilson Pickett, Land of a Thousand Dances by Wilson Pickett, Respect by Aretha, uh, Take a Letter to Maria by R.B. Greaves. Take a letter, Maria. Uh, Great song. Yeah, Respect Yourself and I'll Take You There by the Staple Singers. Kodachrome, Love you, uh, love Me Like a Rocks, and Still Crazy After All These Years by Paul Simon. What? Paul Simon recorded those at Muscle Shoals? I would, I would assume so, yeah. Wow. I love, yeah. those, Paul, I love those Paul Simon singles, yeah. 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 Kodachrome. Wow. Uh, what a Julio. great bunch of musicians. How about the producer? Um, that was... Well, oh, this was, oh, it was produced by Phil Ramon, but this is just a... a oh, I don't know who produced these in, in individual albums. This is just a list of things that Roger Hawkins, the drummer on Valat, most likely, oh, yeah, 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 uh, right. played on. Um, no, I mean, Phil Ramon was in Muscle Shoals with the, you know... Yeah, well, Phil, it was in there with Julian Lennon, but, but Roger yeah. Hawkins, when he recorded Man Loves a Woman, this is mm-hmm. probably, you know, Tom Johnson producing, but this is just yeah, a list yeah. of songs Roger Hawkins played on. Yep. 
Oh, okay. uh, just to give, I was giving a, a reference to people who may not know who Roger Hawkins Got is. Got it. Yep. But um, he's also on one of the hard, one of my most hated songs, "Old Time Rock and Roll" by Bob Seger. Ooh. <laughs> I hate that song. Ooh. I just can uh, only and, see Tom Cruise in his underwear. <laughs> he's also he's also on one of my favorite Bob Seger songs, "Main Street." Good That's song. a good song. That is a good song. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That old time um, rock and roll is just like what well, you made. Chuck Berry may as well sing it. You know. Yeah, yeah, Um Also, another drummer played on it was the name Steve Holly. Does that ring a bell? Yes, Beatle uh, McCartney Wings. Yeah, he was a drummer in Wings. I think um, Back to the Egg, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, um, good record. Uh, Michael Brecker, the famous sax player of the Brecker the, brothers. The, brothers. Yeah, the horn, the Brecker brothers, right? Yeah, uh, and probably finally, the best saxophonist oh, yeah. in the world to many people. Yeah, right, absolutely. Sessions. Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> also I think that he's on. Um, I believe he's on Tenth Avenue uh, Freeze Up by by the Boss. Wow, yeah, I think yeah. I think the Brecker brothers are on that. I remember seeing meeting across the river on Born to Run. That's Ron Carter on bass, the legendary, just yeah. recently passed Ron Carter. Mm. Yeah. Did he just How's pass? That? Yeah, I, th- I, I he, follow- yeah. When? Uh, not long ago, within the last month. Because or so. I've been following him on Facebook. Julian. I thought I saw a post from him the other day. Correct me oh. if I'm wrong, please. All right, I'll find I, out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, hoping, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I pulled the name of a goat on him, and he's still he's, alive. He's a, he's a jazz legend, and if you comment on his Facebook, he he'll direct message you if he wants to talk to you about what you said. Like he's in a point of his career where he appreciates people. It's huh. still a very nice guy, but I'm I'm gonna oh. check right now. <laughs> okay, well, there's Julian Lennon on, on the cover of uh, his album of a lot, his debut now, album. We've all seen- the style of the cover was kind of like the way the video was that you said Sam Peckinpah yeah. directed. Kind of, yeah. You know what I mean? That sort of... It's, it's nice. It's understated. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And overall, I mean, when listening to it, there's some of it's kind of bland. You know, it's like... I, I think people expect, sure. you know, don't expect power power to the people or anything. It's, or, it's, a, mellow, mellow, it's a mellow record. It's a very right? mellow record. Yeah, yeah, it's he, a pop he's a record. kid, I mean... It's, it's a pop record, you know. Yeah. It's very, yeah. I mean, a lot of ways, very much in its time. Um, so some of the reviews were not so not so friendly. Oh, uh oh. I, I, really? I yeah. still remember a review, and I'll after you finish yours, I'll tell you okay. about the one I read. Yeah. Okay. Um, Saturday review gave it two stars and called it languid. In short, um, sound, you know the similarities to his dad. It says it sounded because he it says it lacked the. The edge, his voice, Julian's voice, lacked the edge and urgency of his father's in some ways. That um, some of the most of the songs sounded like languid outtakes from Imagine. I mean, like I said, uh, don't expect to hear Strawberry Correct. Fields. Expect to hear yeah. something different. That's something. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't expect to hear Twist and Shout or yeah. right. Yeah. Rolling Stone gave it three stars and said exciting and irritating. Uh, similarities to similarities to father's later work said, said kind of sounded kind of strange. I don't know what that means. Um, but it said it had a certain middle-aged sensibility to it with Phil Ramone's rather stately, mature production. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, considering how young he was, it's a pretty mature record, even though some of the yeah. themes are more boy-girl, kind of like, you know, relatable stuff. Julian doesn't, yeah. doesn't come across like a very complex guy. Yeah. Um, now, Robert Criscow, who can be notoriously rough, yeah. the Village yeah. Voice, gave it a C grade. And these are kind of quotes. Um, bland, professional, pop, of little distinction and less necessity tuneful at times tastefully produced of course and with mm-hmm. no discernible reason for being <laughs> lennon's vocal like res- yeah <laughs> lennon's vocal resemblance to his father's eerie um, more frank sinatra jr than even hank williams jr 
Um, that's pretty rough. In that retrospect, yeah. yeah. They're saying that he's copying his dad, pretty much what some of them are saying. Yeah, and I mean, whatever Robert Crisco thought of it, I mean, I, I in listening to it, I, I, give, I have a list of the, the tracks, and I can tell you some, some of the tracks I think were more standouts than others. But like a lot of albums, yeah. when you narrow it down, you got five songs you like, and I'm counting one, correct, two, three. So I, I just correct, got five out of correct. ten that I thought were good songs. So yeah, yeah. That, right. that's the point proven. Yeah. He, he got it from both sides as far as the critics. He had critics like probably Rolling Stone. They were listening to it as a John Lennon album, right? And they're going, well, yeah, yeah. it's a terrible right. John Lennon. Like, they couldn't get right. John Lennon. Like you said, yeah. Rolling Stone, yeah. the biggest John Lennon fans yeah. on the planet with Rolling Stone magazine, right? That just, yeah, picked on. Uh, he, he, Poor guy, you know. <laughs> Given the fact that when Double Fantasy came out, a lot of the critics were like, yeah. You know, initially they, it, it was not well that well received. Of course, right. after he died, it was just like, well, well, now that we're all shattered yeah. and devastated, and you know, our '60s icon was killed. You know, would it um, be know, a safe bet to say? To would it be a safe bet to assume, Lou, that Julian Lennon never made the cover of Rolling Stone? I think he did. I he think did? he did. He probably yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, there was. I read a feature article on him. Here's how young he was. During the video shoot, he was riding a skateboard between takes. Wow, and I, well, I remember you know, it could be forty and ride skateboard. I mean, and I, I remember a quote from the article: um, "Too shy to be a skirt chaser, and too famous to not to have to be." Like you know, basically saying like, he's the yeah. son of a beetle. You know, there was girls around the set. You know, yeah. But he was that young where he was riding a skateboard between tracks, and now he's sixty. But you know, don't forget when I heard it back then, nineteen eighty-four. You know, we're in our twenties too. And yeah, I was 23. I heard it when I heard sitting on a pet. I immediately thought of John Lennon Me when I heard that. Mm. I said, he's copying his dad. I said it to myself. Yeah. You know, but yeah, he's copying his dad there, especially with the sitting on a pebble by the river playing guitar. Like that's something his dad may have said, in, you know, 68. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, as much as he took after his father, I think Sean took after his mother. <laughs> yeah. He did. He, he's he's more Yoko like. Yeah, he's more yeah, of course uh, avant garde. Yep. When he, I, he was raised. He was raised with her. Did you ever hear the stuff he did with uh, who's the uh, primus bass player? Primus bass player. Less, less I think Claypool. so. He, less, he yeah, did all yeah. less playful. It's weird stuff. You can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um. He he. John, Julian post this period in his life went through the ringer emotionally because I followed. I've been following him on Facebook and mm-hmm. he, he's emotional and he definitely went through just talking, just the way he talks, yeah. you can tell um, he's put out albums, but very far in between. They don't yeah. sell much. He doesn't expect them to. They're on small records. Well, he's labels. a photographer and, now. He's happy being a photographer. Also, he put out an album about three years ago. A lot, he's produced a lot of films. He's producing like documentaries yeah, yep. about, you know, really? like socially conscious documentaries. Yeah. 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 There's a so, lot of outlets for artistic expression, right? Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And uh, of, of all the, the Beatle offspring, you know, he got his thing. Uh, Zach Starkey is a very well-known drummer. Yeah. Excellent. Danny drummer. Harrison, I think he, he's done albums. I don't think musically he's not been heard much of. I saw he did some modeling stuff when he was in his 30s. He I, heard he, I heard he didn't want to be in music anymore, that he's dropped music really? totally. Okay. I don't know how, if it's still the case, but. And uh, James McCartney, uh, Paul's son, has he done, I, I thought he was in a band, wasn't he? Not too famous in this country, but yeah. you know, maybe in Europe, he's much more famous. Yeah. So uh, John and Ringo, their their kids kind of more followed mm. in, in the footsteps, you know, yeah. with, with intent. I so Zach this album, a hell of a drummer. 
I saw him on the Who uh, Quadrophenia tour. He what a rep- he can play Keith Moon's yeah. parts. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So Lou, this album came out in '84, right? He said yes. A lot. Okay, so '84. I'm a freshman, and one of my rock. We talked about rock magazines last week. I lived for rock magazines. One of them, the review was so scathing. All they kept saying was, "He sounds like his dad." And yeah. I remember at that point saying, yeah, fuck yep. you. Why can't he sound like his dad? Like, why? You know, it's I like, why are you picking it. on the guy? I, I, I sound like mom. can't help it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, am I going to purposely sing like Tom Waits so nobody thinks I'm copying my dad or something? Uh, my son <laughs> sounds like me. You know, it's just weird. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, genetics, like you said. Yeah. yeah. I have no problem with that. And he definitely didn't copy, even though I agree with Perry, like that, that a lot sounded like it reminded you of a John Lennon song, but he didn't go out yeah. to copy in the Beatles for sure. He did his own. No, thing. No. In 84, I thought he was copying his dad. That's had some similarities. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, the rest of the tracks, I mean, I'm going to run through them in, in a second. The rest of the tracks, I never thought through many, mm-hmm. much of it. I'm like, well, he's, he's ripping off his dad. So, I don't think that's you know, like I said, Valat has a similarity, but I think it's you know, it's a it's legit as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, even yeah. too late for goodbyes. I think that's a song his father would have liked. Right, you know, absolutely would have liked it. He would have liked it. John and if Lennon you can't, if you can't claim your own dad's throne, you know what I mean? You know, but you know, John being the sacred cow that he that he is, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing there's nothing Julian could have done except produce another Strawberry Fields to like even get the and. Right. and if if it weren't for the ridiculousness of what happened, John Lennon would have been like 43, 44, listening to his son's debut album. Yeah. It would have been great, right? Yeah. Right, right. And it's also only four years after his father was murdered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a story where um, I read that when he went to the Hit Factory, that's where John recorded Double Fantasy. And Phil Ramon said, do you feel any ghosts? And Julian said, he goes, I felt the vibes are good. I want to stay. We're going to record her. Cool. Yeah, so I would think that must have been pretty emotional too. Yeah, um, you know some of the so the track listing, you know, um, there's this other. I'll just go down the list. Valat, okay for you, on the phone, space. Well, I don't know. Too late for goodbyes. Lonely, say you're wrong. Jesse and the last song is Let Me Be. Of all the, the whole album, I think the song Valat is a really good song. The second song, "Okay for You," kind of a bluesy number. I thought it was really well done. There's some good guitar playing on this record. Yeah, um, I bet. Yep, and the song called "Space" is very atmospheric. Um, I thought that was a total surprise. I was very impressed by that track. Uh, "Too Late for Goodbyes." That's a great pop song. I mean, yeah. I, I know what that reminds me of in that in that place and time. And the last song I think is the best song on the record. It seems like it's a cast off. It's only two minutes and twelve seconds. The rest of the average song average song length is like four minutes plus on this it's go let me be it's him on piano it's it's kind of in it's quirky mm. um it's, it's a little beatlesque but not completely and not mm-hmm. enough to be like okay kid you know um interesting I, I thought it was a really a really cool song i i think it was a great way to end that record so i noticed the second side to me lags a little bit but putting that at the end was i thought it was a really a really nice touch uh if i could hum it out i would but yeah so i think overall i mean i think that's a a very good record debut record if it was anyone's record um you know i don't think it would set the world on fire but i think it's a solid record and shown yep. some talent and, i remember yeah, it being um, a, I, good I think a gift, sounding a gift, record a gift ahead, for Luke. tunefulness i'll say that he's got a really good yeah, gift yeah. for melody um you know they said he took some of the best of john and paul there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Good job, it's kid. It's got had Phil Ramone sound to it. It's, it's oh, yeah. very well recorded, very well balanced. Yeah. yeah. Right? And yeah. It, it's got some of that mod. It's got the synthesizers on it. It's got some of the drum machine things, sure. which are very yeah. much in their time. Um, it doesn't sound super dated, although, you know, looking back, you know, how many years was that? 40? Pushing 40, 30, 30, I guess, 37 right? 37 years. That's, <laughs> you know, that's a good chunk of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so good, good job. Um, Listen, I was a, like I said, I'm a freshman in high school, I'm a metalhead. And those two singles, a lot and much too late, they hit me. I was like liking them, you know. Yeah. So, it's my yeah. young brain, you well, know. When you were a frosh, when you were a frosh, were your friends make fun of you if you listen to, uh, if you listen to Valat when your friends are listening yeah. to Iron Maiden? No, and, uh, uh, no, actually. So in my high school, first of all, as far as metal, it was Jews Priest and Iron Maiden fans, and there were literal mm -hmm. fights over it. I was in a Jews Priest camp. Knowing that Iron Maiden were the better band, um, <laughs> but um, the lot like I had no problem with that. My thing was I was a Prince fan. I kept that one quiet. I was a Run DMC uh, right. fan. I kept that quiet. I, I was a Public Enemy fan. I kept those things quiet. I even liked Whitney Houston. I kept that quiet. You know, <laughs> wow. when I went to school, I had the leather fringe jacket on. You know, yeah, you know. <laughs> Hillsdale Montville was not prime rap country in, in that period, that point in time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, <laughs> but a good record overall. A good record overall. Yeah. I, I've sat on a pebble and played guitar a couple of times. There you oh, go. Pebble? <laughs> Did that pebble disappear, Lou? <laughs> no, it was a it was a one big ass pebble. <laughs> uh, so the album was recorded. I mentioned those recording studios that it was recorded at, but the one we were talking about was Bear Track Studios in Suffern, New York. I got the address here. Uh, let's see where was it? Nine twenty six Haverstraw Road in Suffern, New York. Is Haverstraw wow. Road? Do you know where that is, Mark? I mean, um, I'm going to Google Map it after the show and look because uh, my my daughter lives in Suffern, and okay. all I know is that everyone, like Mike Portnoy said when they recorded there, that the studio had an incredible view of the mountain. Now you got that mountain when mm. you're going up to New York State Thruway, and it curves around that huge Tacomac Mountain or whatever it's called. I'll bet you so it faces the mountain. Mm. So okay. there's a section of Suffern that is kind of like off the beaten path there's a lot of quirky little businesses among the houses i bet you it was in there but I'm so gonna, yeah so this was sort of a local studio kind of like 914 was where some famous yeah. people or people who became famous recorded there yeah. who I, was recorded at bear track and uh, I, I, I have a feeling it was a it was a better overall studio than 914 because yeah yes. What yes. we heard now for is more budget oriented. Before I listen to artists, the clients that play there, um, Mark, do you have Dream Theater's album Metropolis Part Two: Scenes from a Memory? Yes. Um, so that is on the masterpiece. on the tray card of that, there's a picture of the, of the studio. Really, yeah. I haven't looked at my CD in like 15 years. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you know, if you do, when you do, um, so that's where you can see a picture because I think it's suffering. I, I know going over the border up to New York where I used to go hiking up there all the time, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was, it was pretty sparse, you know, when being from yeah. South Jersey, when we moved up to North Jersey, North Jersey was wild to us. It, it looked yeah. rural. Um, yeah. 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 But there was a jive movie up there. Well, Hicks lived up there. That's when you were a bunch of frigging Hicks. That's I remember there being a jive movie three with three. a golf three course three. behind, with a golf course behind it, like mm -hmm. a putting, uh, a chip and putt course or something. Where was that? Uh, the one on Route 303. Oh, Suffering? Okay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Also, the, the Orangeburg Drive-In Movie Theater. Yep. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's what Star Wars there. Um, I, I, I just map-quested yeah. where the studio was. So, Lou you, and Perry, you know Route 202 goes up out of Suffern, and you got the mountain on the one side. 
it's actually off of 202 right by the Mawa River. And yeah, right on the border of the park, Tacomac Park. So oh, well, nice, okay. nice, very nice location. Wasn't wasn't Tacomac where the um, Kuklinski, the Iceman, dumped the frozen the first frozen victim? Oh, Is that Tacomac? Wow. I don't know. They have a lot of Native American names, though. Up creepy, there. Si- yep. creepy side note. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Oh, it's Kakiak so, Park. Sorry, Kakiat Park. Kakiat. Uh, Sorry, got the, it wrong. Oh, yeah. The, the Kakiaks, were they a subdivision of the not quite recognized Ramapo Indians? <laughs> Maybe. It's right across the thruway, <laughs> right on the other side of the road. It, it, I've hiked along that territory. It's weird. Yes, it I is, know. I didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to go back. <laughs> so where were we now? Um, the client so, list of yeah. Bear Track yeah, Studios. Yeah, who has played at uh, at uh, Bear Track Studios? Okay, uh, well, uh, Dream Theater, for one yeah. thing, uh, mm-hmm. one of Mark's favorite bands. Um, one of the bands with the most stupid names in all of rock and roll, the Goo Goo Dolls, recorded there. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you guys remember or know a band called Firehouse? Yes. I think you I know? do. Yeah. I thought I found the love of a lifetime. Air metal, <laughs> Perry, our favorite yeah. subject. <laughs> An opening, <laughs> opening act, maybe. No, they, they, they had some big hits in their day. Really? Yeah, they did. Um, we used to call them Firehose. Firehose. <laughs> There's a band called Firehose, an alt rock band called Firehose. I think there was oh, a problem really? there. Yeah. Well, Firehouse was capital F I R E, capital H O U S E. So, like, yeah. Firehouse, yeah. but scrunched together, yep. sans hyphen. They were um, huge. Anyway, they call themselves glam metal, not hair metal, but. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's splitting some big hair right there. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Nile Rogers also worked there. Michael Barbiero, does that name sound familiar? Yes. I, I've seen the name printed somewhere. Yeah, me too. I don't know. He worked with Guns N' Roses and Metallica, amongst okay. many others. Okay. In production. Yeah, uh, I, I read it in a book. Yeah. yeah. You know, some of these uh, these people are producers. Uh, Andy Johns worked there. Yeah. Yep. Lynn Johns' uh, brother? Yes, his brother. Yeah. And well-known and famous in his own right. Yeah. George Benson. Ah. Right, he's worked there. Mariah Carey. Wow. Bruce Hornsby. Uh, let's see, Cassandra Wilson, Patty Larkin, Foreigner, One of my favorites, Cassandra, Hot Tuna, or Hot Tuna, if you're from England, <laughs> uh, David Clayton Thomas, the vocalist of Blood, Sweat, and Tears, mm-hmm. Yanni has worked there, the Harlem Boys Choir, aren't wow. they on the Golden Age of Leather by Blue Oyster Cult? Is that the Harlem? Or is that the, New- is that the Newark Boys Choir? It's well... a local boys choir. It is. It Raise is. your glass of beer on high and seal your fate forever. <laughs> Our best years have passed us by the golden age of leather. <laughs> I'm that was good. Can't recall. Blue Oyster Cult. Blue that was oyster for Tom Spallone, cult. that performance. Tom Spallone. Thank you. <laughs> wow, Wikipedia right. doesn't have a page dedicated to that song. I'm shocked. Oh, wow. <laughs> Perry, did, did you miss the whole uh, roster list of artists who have... No, I was right here all the time. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so I'm the Harlem Boys Choir. Gary Moore, the uh, English... Oh, Gary Moore, he's a Les Paul guitar player, right? Famous, yeah. Uh, he was a heavy um, metal guy, and then he turned to blues. He had his biggest rock, hits yeah. ever was blues. Yeah, I get the same old blues over yep. here. Yeah, the blues uh, or the booze, the blues, and I think I think blues is B L O O Z E. 
right? Yeah, because no? okay. it rhymes with booze. You sounded like uh, you sounded like Mick Jagger talking to John Lennon. Remember in the rock and roll uh, circus? You're the I've blues, John. You're the blues, John. <laughs> you really saying that? Yeah, you're the dirty Mac. Oh, called ten thousand maniacs. Those Dang. wild, that wild and crazy band of crazy people. This was Natalie back when Merchant, she was, out of Natalie Merchant was still in the band. That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they, they did albums without her, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt yeah she Weinberg left, she left the them. band, sure. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so Roseanne Cash has worked there. Judy Collins, hmm. Anthrax, and finally, the band. The band. Sand Robbie. Sand Robbie. Yeah, oh, this is this what? is in their days where I'm sure one of the the last couple of records were probably done there, what kind which of is cool because like right over the border, the band are right. They're right. They're it's right a, near us. Did and they have a sixteen-track machine or twenty-four? I, I couldn't machine. find any. I couldn't find any aspects. Um, the yeah, the web page has been defunct. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they were a state of the art. They were digital because don't forget Jay Beckenstein. Those guys, the GRP. Remember GRP Records? They were the big smooth jazz label. Yeah, so yeah. They were part of that family. So you know that they had probably all digital or if it was analog so. it was the best and they probably had yeah. at least 24 tracks gotta be um i would think the so, band yeah. were well who all right so leon uh, not leon yeah leon was about an hour and a half away from woodstock kind of makes sense right he doesn't have to go all the way to the city yeah. just come yep. down the throughway and then boom yep. you're there yeah yep or stay at a hotel and, nearby and i i yeah. would venture that there's I, I probably a hell impersonation <laughs> well so, let's let me just it. say I would I would venture that a lot of smooth jazz bands recorded there because of the yeah. the, the the connection there. The sound, yeah. I think Spira Gyra. They closed and, the studio. And who after are Spira Gyra? Who are they? What, what is it? Were they a fusion? Jazz fusion. Jazz fusion Excellent, yeah. scary, good musicians. <laughs> Not unlike Jean Luc Ponty in that realm, I think. Now mm. on a deep a deep purple Dream Theater's first uh, album that they recorded there. Uh, they were always more than a heavy metal band. They're progressive, but they also they would just do anything. So there's a song where Jay Beckenstein plays the clarinet, and it's a ballad, yeah. and it's a beautiful song. Yeah. And Mike Portney is like, "We asked Jay, you want to play on?" It? He's like, "Yeah, we had a Spyrogyra guy on our first album." Yeah. You know, it's like it's all good. Wow. So you see the video. They're in the studio. All these guys got long hair. They're all leather. And there's Jay Beckenstein in his khakis and his dress shirt, and he's playing the <laughs> clarinet. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. So so you've seen some Dream Theater videos. Yeah. So several of their videos were recorded outside the studio in the surroundings. So if, uh, if it's rural or woodsy, I would think that's right outside. I'm going to have to do a deep dive into some dream theater videos. They would have been recorded. My daughter lives in an apartment complex that's right on that mountain. Yeah, that's kind of neat, you know. They probably went up on the trail. I saw a documentary on Dream Theater one time, and they were they were playing in <clears throat> the guy's house in New City or something. A keyboard player that's lives Jordan in Rudis, New yeah. City, New York. Yeah, yeah. Like, he lives right They're here. Just, yeah, all the equipment set up in the guy's house. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Rudis, by the way, just a, a little quick deep dive. He played on the Wall by Pink Floyd, and he mm. um, he didn't play keyboards. He played some kind of percussion. It was kind of like Phil Collins on a Beatles album. Yeah. And then he also played with David Bowie on, I forget what album, but he played with Bowie. And he's had a, he's another one that's had a big career. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was a this good, time, uh, yeah. good thing on, from Vala, on Julian Lennon to where it left. We went to the studio, the musicians and uh, all these connecting we, stories, right? We went around the world. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, they came by, <clears throat> by chance as well. You know, a friend of ours sent me a song I hadn't heard in a while. See? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stop, so better like, sing, right? Check, check out the album and 
I'm yeah, going to check it out. The yeah. Lot by uh, Julian Lennon. Well, if you guys want, I have some samples of isolated drum tracks. Hopefully this works out. And I just figured it would be cute or fun to uh, listen to a couple of drum tracks and see if you guys can guess what what song these drum tracks are for. You want to give it a little... Uh, they're about they're about twenty seconds, eighteen twenty seconds each. Okay, it's okay? gonna be embarrassing for me. No, I don't think so. Let's see if this works <clears> out. <throat> okay, here we go. I, I think the little the lead in might give it give it away, right? I, got, I, I need to hear the lead in. <clears throat> what do you think it is, Mark? <clears throat> Stevie Nicks sings it. And uh it's called Dreams. Oh. You are right on, man. That is but Lou would have gotten it. He heard, dreams. If Lou heard the intro, it. he would have gotten it. Yeah, 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 boom, boom, boom. Yeah. yeah yep. boom, boom, boom. So that wasn't fair. Lou, I won't even comment on next one. No, no, no. I, I, I was listening to that whole part after that. If you, you know, if you now you hear the song in your head, you're just going boom, crack. Yeah. So that yeah. could that could be any song in, in the world. It's just yeah, that intro. It can be, you're right. But but with yeah. the delicate Mark, guitar. Mark is the right? Like very good. Mark, Mark has embarrassed me. He's more. I'm no, humiliated. Well, how about this one, Lou? You go, five, first, Lou. you go first on this one, Lou. All right? Uh, yeah, we're Let's try this one. Yeah, I'm a drummer. <laughs> oh, I got it. All right, let's wait. A few more seconds. Oh. Sympathy what for would the you devil? say that is? Are you asking me? I'm asking you, Lou. Sympathy for the devil. Mark, would you would you concur? I was doing the Mick Jagger yell. Yes, that is sympathy for the devil. Rolling Stones. Yep. Now there's percussion on there. I wonder who's playing the percussion. I don't know. Well, that I oh, think oh, they oh, overdub congas over that, right? Don't you agree? There's congas. Oh yeah. No, I, I saw some video there. in the studio <laughs> when they were recording it, and they even had they even had. Um, Charlie Watts playing drumsticks on bongos too, and in uh, all sorts of things. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I forgot something from the Julian Lennon session. What? One of the musicians, a guy named Ralph McDonald, a percussionist. Yeah. He wrote, "Where is the love?" Roberta Flack. Do, 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 do. Oh wow! Wow. Well, just the two of us by Bill Weathers and Grover Washington. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. Fuck yeah, percussion. man! Now, as far as, as far More as that song. As out of, out of place, that, I'm sorry. That, as far as sympathy, and I was a kid revolting against my dad's yeah. religion and, you know, being brought up in the church. All these heavy metal albums, nothing compared to that sympathy for the devil. Mm. Just that was the most snarling, evil song that I could play to say F you to religion. Yep. You know, it was great. Some... I was like, there's a song called Sympathy for the Devil. Yes. <laughs> I've got great another lyrics. one. Yeah, some of the mixed best writing on that, too. This one's going to be yeah. tough. This one's going to be tough. Mm. Okay. Yep. If you need to hear it again, let me know. Here we go. I got it. Okay, hang on. <laughs> I 
Lou Colicchio, can you name that drum track? Is it Mark's turn or mine? Your turn. You go. Cecilia by Paul Simon. Mark? I was going to say, did Paul McCartney play those drums? It reminded me of a McCartney <laughs> song. All right, let's listen to it one more time, okay? All right, I'll let me give you a hint. Does that mean Lou didn't Lou or me didn't get it right? Think, think Miami. Oh, okay. What do you think? Jive talking. Uh, Mark, I I have to say. I agree. I know it's it's a BG. Yeah, we'll give it to you. It's staying alive, but it's the it's same staying, thing. Uh, it's uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's funny. yeah, yeah. Now, correct me. I gotta let it play through. It's almost over. That's a, one of the first. Is this the one that goes? You can tell out of the way. Use my walk as little man. Okay. Time to this? talk. Is that the one? Keep it going. Can you keep it going? Yeah, yeah. I'll do it again. Hang on. <clears throat> Oh, Cecilia, you're breaking my heart. my heart. You're shaking my confidence daily. That sounds very much like it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now, by the way, I've heard it said. In the New York Groove. I've heard that. In the New York Groove. I've heard this is one of the, the first of drum Cadillac. loops. I heard them, Stuart, this is one of the first drum loops ever <laughs> made. Like, it's a loop that they literally put the tape around. And it was the first time, really, that that has been done. That's the drummer's name was like Dennis Bryan or Dennis Byron, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But right? they had the tape wrapped around the heads, going over and over, and that's one of the first times they did that. And they made a song around the drum loop. Okay, so. here we go. Let's get this one. Let it play through. It's about eighteen twenty seconds. Have a go. I can. You want to go first, Lou? No. No. Uh, I'm going to go with Train in Vain. It is The Clash. Oh, but it's not Train in Vain. No. You want to hear it again, Lou? It's The Clash. That's okay. the that's the that's the key. Okay. There you go. <clears throat> oh God! How could I? Rock the Casbah. Rocking the Casbah. Rocking the Casbah, the that's, that's the game right there. Yeah. Yep. I mean, now that was my turn. I missed the intro, and the but I was hearing the bass. I was hearing the bass going boom, bam, boom, ba dam, right. ba dam, boom, boom, bam. Well, now, and, it's funny because you know once you get past an intro, the drum beat. I have this principle that idea that. Rock's got four or five basic drum beats oh, yeah. on every so many different songs. Absolutely, yeah, like like, like the, the Fleetwood Mac song, boom, one, two, right. three, four. Well, like I mean, you said, the first little thing, boom, 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 right? Yeah, yep. Okay, I've got two more. <clears throat> this one you're both gonna nail, so I don't even. I shouldn't even bother even giving you a warning about it. Let's just get let us let uh. it go.
That's Run DMC. I'm telling you, it's was, Run DMC. I was going to say the same thing, Run DMC. <laughs> yep, it is. Yeah, it's Walk This Way. Yep. Yep. By Aerosmith. Yeah, and that's Joey Kramer. Uh, Joey Kramer on drums. It was Topper yeah. Hedden on the, the Clash, Rock the Casbah. Aerosmithy. Charlie Watts on uh, Sympathy for the Devil and Mick Fleetwood on uh, Dreams. Right. And the guy from the, the Bee Gees, David Bryan or Byron. David Bryan. Yeah. Byron. Yep. yep. Yeah. <clears throat> one more. One more. This is going to be a tough. This might be a tough one, too, guys. Give it a good listen. I'll, I'll play it twice if you need it. You probably won't. intro that's, i know that in the beginning and i can't that sounds like a drum part only a guitar player would ever think of playing you're you right on man but it's stevie <laughs> wonder playing the drums though it's yep. superstition it's stevie oh. wonder on drums yep <clears throat> yeah one of my yeah. favorite drummers it was cool that was yeah, good man that good. was yep. really good yeah that was excellent you gotta try to hit us fun. up with some more <laughs> yeah Maybe, you know, in the near future, we'll do some yeah. more. Why don't, you do, why don't you do bass parts so no one will ever get it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I thought about that, too. But before we go into... Bass parts and hair metal. As a drummer, I, like, I, I can make fun of bass players. Everyone makes fun of drummers, yeah. but I can make fun of bass players. Before we go into... Uh, we're going to go into random relish in a minute. But before I we do that, want... I think I yeah. there's some Chinese food being delivered. Okay, cool. Wait a Love second. Action. They have Chinese food Shari, in, in Asheville? Yeah, yeah. Asheville has everything. Wow. They, got, they got a guy from New York who makes pizza. He's got a pizzeria out there. <laughs> they got everything like, out there. I have... said, Lou, I mean, I was down here one time. We were downtown Asheville. I said, Lou, this pizza's great. He's like, yeah, the guy's from New York. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have oceans out there, Perry? Do they have oceans? <laughs> <laughs> you got to come out to Chicago. They got an ocean and everything. <laughs> Dumb people making a lot of money. We're seeing a lot of that now. <laughs> they got an ocean and everything out there. <laughs> you know, uh, I brought it up on the show before, but if you ever hear the isolated drum track to "Fool in the Rain," it's amazing. It makes you. It made yeah, me I realize yeah, yeah. that John Bonham is a virtuoso. I never thought of him as a virtuoso until I heard that. I was like, "Holy cow!" Yeah, so. but then again, he was doing he was doing the Purdy Shuffle, wasn't he? And he was doing the Jeff Picaro thing too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah of, that's uh, right. Yep. That's right. Yep. Just very like Keith Moon, they were kind of limited. Like Keith Moon, uh, there's a song from the Who called "Music Must Change," and Townsend had it in a strange uh, key of uh, time signature, and they ended up yeah. the the rhythm. If you listen, it's someone walking the boots walking because they couldn't get Moon to do it, and uh, Dire Maker or Jamaica from Led Zeppelin. He tried, Paige wanted Bonham to do more of a reggae feel. He couldn't do it. They did one thing, you know, they did one thing good. So. Thing about Robert Plant, you know, like, uh, why don't you just call the song Jamaica? You yeah. know, Americans, we're going to do it phonetically. Dire maker. What, why That's wouldn't why I, I? Yeah. Like in, in England, it's hot, it's hot tuna spelled H-O-T-C-H-U-N-A, like hot tuna. You know, we can play yeah. that game. Like rumors, you, you know, the way I, rumors yeah. were spelled in. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, in, uh, I wanted to introduce you to a little band from America <laughs> called Hot Tuna. 
Rumors, Fortuna. rumors, uh, the Fleetwood Mac rumors, right? That was spelled the English way, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. yep. I do that all well, the time. there it is. There's the cover. <laughs> He's got <laughs> balls, balls, man. Oh, my God. That's pretty That's great. I want yeah. that on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I got my General TSO's chicken delivered. <laughs> Choge. I'm too self-conscious to try to pronounce Chinese. So whenever, whenever Chinese, I say, "I like the general TSO's chicken, please." All well, our Chinese restaurants have online order. I don't want to, don't want to insult anyone. <laughs> but we're going to go into random relish. But before we go into random relish, I just want to play this little clip of Dave, Dave Letterman teaching Jerry Garcia how to play Proud Mary. <laughs> wow. And then right down there, and then that's it. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah, well, after a while, see these? You build up calluses like on my fingers. Oh, I get okay, it. now go ahead and if you strum that. Let's see. Yeah. Like this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. calluses <laughs> the f chord is hard to play in a bar formation <laughs> yeah that's for sure how about, we, uh, how about we drift into random relish mark you want to start off with a, a random <clears throat> subject a random uh, sure. talking point of interest well in honor of uh, a new stones album coming out which i'm really proud of the fact that they're putting out a whole album they could easily just go yeah. to the touring what's group. it called again it's called hackney uh, diamonds hackney diamonds yep. i like that title and they actually do the Muddy Waters song, Rolling Stone. Well, it's called Rolling Stone, and it's based on the Muddy Waters song. So good for them. I can't wait to hear it. Mm -hmm. I've heard the single. It's good. What's the single um, called? Oh, God. Is it Angry? Yeah. There's a, vi yeah. There's a, video, there's a video to go along with it, too. I heard yep. the tail end of it today. I'll need to hear it again. It didn't sound bad. It sounded like it got some life to it. Yeah. But I just yeah. I didn't get hear enough of it yep. to really, you know. I knew you know, that was you know, Mick. You know, I knew that was Mick. I buy all their albums because even the work, well, I would never, sorry, I'm not, that, that one album with Harlem Shuffle, I'll never buy, but all their albums have at least four or five, at the very worst, good songs. And the last couple albums, Bigger Bang had almost a whole album I liked. So hmm. it's just, I'm hearing Keith, you know? Really? Um, what, was Harlem Shuffle on Dirty Work? Was that, that's that the album. album. That was a horrible yeah. album. It was yeah. so bad. I don't know. It did, I didn't like it. It's a low just, point. Yeah, the, their relationship, Mick and Keith, was at an all-time low, and Mick was acting. Oh, he's doing his solo stuff, and that's all he cared about, you know? Is that when Charlie punched him in the face? Yeah, it was around that time. Okay. Charlie started smoking weed and drinking in his 40s. Remember, he was going through, like, really? a, uh, I can <clears throat> be a rebel, too. He was kind of straight-laced up until that point. I, I really? thought he did the whole rehab thing with the rest of them. No, no not for my right? Well, you know, when, these, anyway. when the Stones tell these stories, they could be stories, you know? But yeah. what I heard from Keith, so I think it, in his book, he kind of intoned that, that Charlie was kind of didn't do all the shit they did. But then, yeah, in like 19, and it's like when he turned 42, he started smoking. Like, what the fuck? What are you doing at 42 starting to smoke, you know? Good for but, him. You know, he played the part for all those years, you know? And well, whatever. It's, it's like Alan Arkin, Little Miss Sunshine. He starts doing heroin when he's old. He's like, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> and then what, yeah, what did Kill, what kill did me in 10 years, you know? What did, what did Mick say that got him punched? Like, he's my drummer or something? He called no, him he, my drummer? He called, he called, he goes, what the fuck is my drummer? 
<laughs> so Charlie, I think, took a shower, got dressed up, and went down there and punched Mick in the face. I says, "Don't ever call me your fucking drummer again. I'm you're my fucking singer." That's fucking great. That's great. And then he peed on him. No, <laughs> no, but you peed on. We know who you peed on. I, I pissed on Paul Simon's face. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I said peed, the nicer term. So anyway, hey. Keith, you know, Keith. One thing about him, he's very opinionated in all matters, and. Mm -hmm. uh He's not exactly nice when he talks about certain other bands and artists. So um, I found a collection of some of his uh, comments on fellow musicians and bands. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with David Bowie. In 2008, 2008 interview with Uncut, he claimed that Changes was the only Bowie song worth remembering. It's all pose. It's all fucking posing. It's nothing to do with music. He knows it too. I can't think of anything else he's done that would make my hair stand up. Maybe he was jealous that. Mick did that video with David. I don't know. <laughs> so. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt he probably had a good laugh over it. I know I yeah. did. <laughs> the world laughed at that. <laughs> well, it was okay. for charity, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 But um, yeah. funny that he said that about me. I could see him not liking Bowie. I, I read that and I'm like, whoa, I fucking love Bowie. Oh, wait. Yeah, Richard's, he wouldn't like Bowie. I could see that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, Bob Dylan. Uh. In a 2014 interview, he said, Bob's a nasty little bugger. I don't, I remember him saying to me, I remember him saying to me, I could have written Satisfaction, Keith, but you couldn't have written Desolation Row. I said, well, you're right oh. there, Bob. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, well, they, they, he's they honest, together. you know, he's honest, but he changes his mind too, right? <laughs> The band. Okay. The band. Yeah. So he saw the now renamed band at the Dylan gig on the Isle of Wight. Mm -hmm. And he was disappointed. Dylan was beautiful, especially when he did the songs by himself. But the band were just too strict. They've been playing together for a long, long time. And what I couldn't understand was their lack of spontaneity. They sounded note for note like their records. They just didn't seem to come alive by themselves. I think they're essentially an, an accompanying band. Kind of interesting, you know? Well, so uh, he's kind of saying I, I, they're going through the motions, right? And maybe well, it was a bad gig. Well, for you know? fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you and your five-string guitar. <laughs> Can't play six? Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. You know, I mean, I'm wondering, now, Isle of Wight, that was the summer of what? Was that 69 also? Well, uh, 71, the year, 70, the year that Jimmy yeah. died. Okay. Yeah, now, they did a couple. As as a band aficionado, one thing you know, their initial I mean, you can tell stage fright is about their stage fright when mm -hmm. they were you know when they were playing behind Dylan. I mean, Keith made a good point. You know, there are great backing musicians. If you look at the last waltz, they backed up a lot of people really well. Yeah, um, yeah. But they they were never fully comfortable on stage, like fully comfortable. So he might have, like I said, I think maybe it wasn't at their best. Robertson said at Woodstock, they were like, "What the fuck are we doing here?" They said they felt like a bunch of preacher boys. In the midst of this chaos, yeah. but their music was supposed to be so tightly. The okay. music was the, the opposite of all the bombast and all the excess yeah. and all the histrionics that were also well, going on around them. You well, know? Lou, Robert Robertson spoke ill of the doors. I, I just recently got the reissue of the band, the band album. And the second disc is their whole uh, Woodstock gig. And to me, it sounds like they were light years ahead of a lot of the bands there. They were mm. playing very professionally. 
they were playing excellent. They're, they're, you know? they were, but it, it is very, it was very tight and controlled. That was their yes, idea. Yes. Well, yes. everyone else was playing guitar solos to the end of time. And, you know, the stones are the stones. I mean, no one can touch them at what they've ever done. Right. Yeah. Right. That's not even, that's not even right. a question. But I mean, I'm yeah. not, I'm not irks. I'm not irked by his thing. I can actually see certain points of it. Um, with yeah. his perspective, you know, as he looking when he was looking back to 1971 from what year? Uh, but I, I could see in the midst of all those acts that they were, you know, like I said, they didn't stretch out. Um, yeah. But yeah. The, yeah. the Academy of Music shows, the, the 1971, I mean, come on, that's them jamming out and playing live. That's and a great album. Oh it's my an God. amazing, yeah. it's an amazing yeah. live record. Robertson played like, he was, he was, you know, that's like, you know, to me, that's like when Elvis did the 68 special, the stars opened, the heavens opened up for Elvis. Yeah. Robbie yeah. was on fire. He was flawless, impeccable. Yeah, uh, but I appreciate Keith's touch. honesty, though, too. I mean, Keith yeah, always said well, sure. he always said about George Harrison. He says he has a thin guitar sound. He always said that about George Harrison. His guitar sound is very thin. Wait, wait, and it wait, sounds wait, like wait, an wait, insult, but it's Keith not. Keith said that about George. Keith Richards always said yeah. that about George Harrison's sound that it's very thin. Well, I, and, and kind of, well, I, I can in see the that. early days it was. Yeah. Yep. Paul's bass sounded like crap in the early days. I think you asked me yeah, that. Yeah, bass yep. sounded like shit. Yeah, um, I, I can see that George had a certain sound like that. I mean, you know, I think those songs were they were produced. Those guitar sounds were, were produced for the songs that George Martin heard. Yeah, probably up yeah. until yeah. '65. Then it got yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, the Bee Gees. Now, he in 1969 before they went disco. You know, mm-hmm. he when said they were about a great them, pop band. Yeah, yeah he says. Now, just imagine his voice saying this. Well, mm-hmm. they're in their own little fantasy world. You only have to read what they talk about in interviews. How many suits they've got and that kind of crap. It's all kind of kid stuff, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think how can um, you end a broken heart's a little more. I think they were much more mature. I, I, I don't think they were. How they, can were you right. bro- they, they were pop. They were pop. There was yeah. a lot of heavy sentiment in, in Barry's writing. Heck when yeah. I found out that they wrote "To Love Somebody," I always thought that was a classic R and B song from some. Shit, man. Bee Gees wrote that, and Holy that's been covered shit. by. So, but Buddy Miller does a great version. Of that. I've heard that. Cause, I mm-hmm. think Dwight Yoke. No, not Dwight Yoke, but that has been covered by a lot of people. Sure, it has. Great song. Yeah, and that's. I, yeah, I think. I think Keith's a little off on that. He might be well, thinking like, yeah. you know, before yeah. like, like the, not to the late sixties, but from mid sixties mm-hmm. on, when you know they were kind of. Yeah. Flowery and English when folk pop. When was he interviewed? Oh, Australian. That was 1969. Yeah, yeah. 69. So oh, okay. you know, yeah. But when was Keith interviewed about the 69? Yeah. So yeah. It's like Keith on drugs oh, too. Oh, you know, yeah. and dr- you know, and, and <laughs> hanging, drug, out that, you know, hanging out with that Graham Parsons guy. Yeah, saying about like I mean the Bee Gees three part harmonies. I mean, come on. Yeah. Who can? Yeah. Think, right. Yeah. Um. What was that? What song? Um. Message to you. That's yeah. Not, yeah. That's not. Yeah. That's some yeah. heavy stuff. But that was and, just Keith being Keith, right? Right. And yeah. uh, what well, song was it? It's only words. <laughs> that was and good, Luke. What's the real, real depressing when Robin sings? Oh, I started a joke. I yeah. started a joke. Yeah. Oh my God, that bummed me out when I was like eight. <laughs> Great All right, so though. these these next two are for you, Perry. Yep. Here we go. Creedence Clearwater Revival. When yeah. I first heard CCR, I was really knocked out but I became bored with them very quickly. After a few times, it started to annoy me. They're so basic and simple that maybe it's a little too much. Fuck him. Well, I, I could <laughs> see where he off. would think, like, the guitar always sounds the same. You know, I mean, he's playing a Rickenbacker. The other, the, the brother, Tom, is strumming a Gretsch or, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? And 
But the, the drummer, songs, the songs are so fucking good, you know. Yeah. I know, I know, but it's yeah. Keith, you know, it's yeah, 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 yeah. way back then, right? Yeah. All right, so um, this one's really. My, my, one's... my son, my son is not a big Creedence fan. He's not a big fan of uh, of Doug Clifford. He goes, he just, yeah. he goes, he just plays the same thing over and over again. I'm you like, know, oh. I, I, I used to Young be a drummer? big Doug Clifford fan, <clears throat> and uh, he's right. He's right because I listen to like, have you ever seen the rain? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, when it gets to the end, they have this big thing. I want, and he hits that friggin' symbol too much. I want to know. I'm thinking he's like Simon like, Kirk. Why are you doing that? Why? Yeah. yeah, you know why? Because because he is playing that simple, and I mean it's in the service of the song. He's trying to. It's a short song. He's trying to give the end of that song a build up. Yeah, you know, that's how the you know, songs are built. You know, it's just you know what I mean. It's not a, a drum machine thing. So I think he was trying to give it emphasis in in the course of you know playing very simply, but I know what you mean. I mean it, it, that's an interesting trick uh, drummers do. You know, you hit the snare drum and a crash cymbal at the same time. I do it. I do it for dramatic effect, but not that much. Yeah. You know, okay. So this restraint. next one, this next one is really for Perry. This is for you. Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead is where everybody's got it wrong. Just poodling not noodling poodling around for hours and hours <laughs> jerry garcia Lord, i have had a good man. laugh about this lately <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he says and at the end he says sorry jerry that's what he says wow <laughs> and he said well, that in jerry... 2015 <laughs> oh shit jerry did play the noodle caster though the fender, fender noodle <laughs> we have to get a sticker from mark to put on his fender noodle caster <laughs> i love my jerry oh, we have to trademark that <laughs> yeah I got my. I just got a Jerry CD. I, I can't find it. Anyway, uh, don't don't be- look for it. It's okay. Be- it's all right. The, I'll play it. <laughs> the Beatles. Okay, Sergeant yeah. Pepper. Um, they were ready to go to in. Oh, so he was talking about you know that time in '66. You know, they yeah. stopped touring in '66. They were done already. Chicks wore those guys out. They were ready to go to India and shit. Then he goes on to describe the Beatles, uh, Sergeant Pepper's, as a mishmash of rubbish. There's not a lot of roots in that music. I think they got carried away. I do too. <laughs> yeah. That's not like Keith. Uh, Keith made a quote too about like the Beatles going to India. And he goes, you know, I, I understand about all trying to find yourself. He goes, but I draw the line at Swamis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Elton John. Eh, he says, lovely boat bloke but posing i don't need to read the rest of that you know i could see him saying that but yeah he also has appeared many times with with uh elton they're actually mm-hmm. pretty good friends um yeah, they became yep all right here we go guns and roses oh boy right, so i admire their guts he told rolling stone in 88 but their look it's like there's one out of this band there's mm-hmm. one out of this band one looks like jimmy page one looks like ronnie wood too much copycat, too much posing for me. I felt that. I thought they were really copying the Ronnie Wood thing when I first saw them, you know, with uh, what's his name? Yeah. Izzy Stradlin was kind of. Izzy? Yeah. Izzy, yeah. He was a rolling stone of the bunch, you know. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I always thought the same I thing. Agree. I always yeah. thought the Black Crows were kind of like that, too, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Just yeah. Too yeah. Much, too, yep. Trying to be too much like the small faces. I don't. I never warmed up to them. I, I like Chris Robinson's Brotherhood a lot better. Me, too. Mm-hmm. They've but, put out some stellar music. They have, really, they have. Really, I, really, I, I do. Yeah. I, I just um, thought the Black Crows never did it for me. Don't. Okay, this one's for uh, my son-in-law, Takena. Oasis. They're crap. 
Um, <laughs> that's it. That's like I said. Right, Ninety-seven. That's, 19, that's what Keith said, or you said. Ninety-seven. After the typically genial Paul McCartney called the band derivative and said they mean nothing to me, Richards mm-hmm. added his own exclamation wow. point: "They're crap." And then he expanded on his thoughts in ninety-seven for Rolling Stone. These guys are just obnoxious. Grow up and then come back and see if you can hang. I don't hear anything there. It's all just retro to me. But there is an element of pity. Years later, when Richards met Noel Gallagher at a New Year's Eve party, he hit him with Mm -hmm. a savage opening line. Ah, you're still around, aren't you? Uh, (laughs) I love that. I love that. Wow. So his his review would have been CRP. That's so Keith. (laughs) <laughs> wow wow now I, I know i know i know a good friend of ours would be like wow i Ding. love oasis i really love them but they deserve I, 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 to get picked on they do deserve to get picked on they have ripped I, the I, I, I agree with that I mean, I think yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they seem ridiculous at that point i know they were big at, at a certain point but you know were you that big where you guys cannot get together get back together i mean yeah. they didn't rule the airwaves mm. for many many years are, have they been ever nominated for the rock and roll hall of fame no, are they uh, eligible? Right, yeah, uh, uh, twenty-five years, I think. Yeah, but they together yeah. Or something. yeah, but Scott Scott McLean and Jack Calabrese did a show on Milk Crates and Turntables way back when on these brothers siblings in the band. It's like, why can't these guys get along? Oh, why can't God. the Davies brothers get along? Why? Why? What is it with this English? bickering not, not just English family members not just singles the black crows toured with jimmy page they yeah. had a oh, page yeah. on to yeah, do yeah. new music yep. and then the drummer said yeah. in his autobiography that they fought so much page was like i'm out of here like they yeah, fucked we up show, a, we a, showed a, a clip of a while back of them playing uh playing a song with the black crows it sounded great but the tour yeah. never happened because yeah. the brothers screwed yeah. it up somehow they, yep. they fought bad yeah yeah. Um, okay, a couple. Uh, more. Also, the, the uh, oh. from Dire Straits, the Knopfler, uh, Knopfler brothers, David yeah, right. and Mark. You know, they, they don't apparently they don't even speak anymore. Um, but the Bee Gees, wow. Australians, they kept it together. Yeah, yeah. Look at the Fogarty brothers in Credence, they had a falling yeah. out too, yeah, right? Falling out yeah. Too, yeah. yeah, yeah. There was Philocinium. Who <laughs> <laughs> the fucker Philocinium? <laughs> there was these, these these three kids from North Jersey. They had a, they had a local band in the Bergen yeah. County area. Yeah. I heard yeah. they had legendary fights. Legendary. They had some pretty funny gigs. <laughs> some wild gigs, yeah. Uh, let's see. Led Zeppelin. Uh, he is. He praised the Jimmy Page. He, he's fond of him, but he said mm-hmm. he's not fond of Robert Plant. The guy's voice has started to get on my nerves. I don't know why. Maybe he's just a little too acrobatic. I always wow. felt there was something a little hollow about it. Don't you know? So uh, wow. I disagree Ooh. with that, but, you know, that's his opinion. And I'm not surprised he doesn't like Robert Plant. Um, right. Also, a lot of critics that when they first came out said that, you know, the same thing. They were just not yeah. big on it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. This is this is my personal way. The Sex Pistols. I absolutely despise those turds. This, <laughs> um, they says the Stones should have quit in 65. Oh, Sid argued. Sid Vicious argued. I'm not reading this right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I absolutely despise those terms. Then Sid Vicious said the Stone should quit. Yeah, he's being a Richard said, yeah. Richard said, just let them try. We're the Rolling Stones. No one tells us what to do. Then he questioned their substance. There's more to it than saying shit on TV or learning to spit by practicing in the mirror. I fucking love that. I love it. Because they were wow. talentless fucks. They really they, were. Yeah, but they were acting. It was punk. The punk was an act. It was all an act. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, if you, you know, funny because uh, Johnny Rotten 
a couple of years later ends up doing albums with Bill Laswell, Steve Vai, yeah. and Ginger yep. Baker, which you know, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think Public Image Limited is much better than anything that the Sex Pistols did. And yeah, you know, it's more of a statement than music anyway. Speaking of yeah. Steve Vai, I have a little thing on random coming up about him too. Okay. Well, I actually found a couple more real quick. Spice Girls, just a lot of tarts. Uh Prince, insulting to our audience. Uh they he opened for the Stones and he said he was trying to be Stevie Runder. He's got a problem with his attitude and it comes across on record. Prince has to find out what it means to be a prince. That's the trouble with conferring a title on yourself before you proved it. That was his attitude when he opened for us on tour. It was insulting to our audience. You don't try to knock off the headliner. That's what Guns N' Roses tried to do to Aerosmith. He's a prince who thinks he's a king already. Good luck to him. Well, yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Justin Bieber. I will refrain from comment. Justin Bieber. Wait, before, you know... There are no, there are no sacred cows, you know. Anyone can be yeah, criticized, yeah. and yeah, you know, whether his whether his opinion is, is jaundiced, it's not. You know, it's not a personal thing. He's just taking someone as he sees them, and you know, I'm sure I, I'm sure Prince would probably I could see him being like that, mm-hmm. yeah, not to detract from him or his music, but but like yeah. I said, try to knock off the headliner. You know? Yeah, yep. He's he's a good one. It's not really an insult. Justin Bieber. Uh, Richards admitted he was impressed with Justin Bieber's moxie when they ran into each other at a Caribbean bar. He asked the young pop star, who the fuck are you? Bieber's reply, I don't know. Who the fuck are you? Then they reportedly shared some drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Then he said, after a few drinks, he made sure to establish a pecking order. Let's get one thing straight. You're a wannabe. (laughs) Then he said later, I found him quite humble as it should be. His music, I mean, it's a load of crap, isn't it? Um, and then, <laughs> then, then this is, this last one is weird. Metallica and Black Sabbath. He po- called both of them great jokes. Getting the syncopation is beyond them. It's endless thudding away with no bounce, no lift. Millions are in love with Metallica and Black Sabbath. I just wish I just thought they were great jokes. I don't know where Metallica's inspiration comes from, but if it's from me, then I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> wow i love keith (laughs) (laughs) and he actually goes on there was like 20 more of them but he's hardly ever really wrong though in 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 a way (laughs) you know it's like metallica they're not they're not a light groovy band it's not going to work like that but i can see his his point but But that was him in his 20s commenting though well except for metallica I mean, yeah, that yeah. was some uh, of these yep. go up to the 2000s. But my thing, I'm yeah. sick of Metallica. I grew up. I just I was listening to Metallica when they yeah. were on import on Megaforce. Heavy metal is like a sludge. Yeah, I'm just tired of Metallica. Like, mm. come on, you, you're doing the same album yep. over and over like ACDC, you know, took it, And then James Headfield, every five years, he has a breakdown and I'm going away. You know, I don't know. Just tired of it. So that's what Keith thinks of these other bands, you know. Yeah, yep. that's Keith being Keith. I'll yep. see you next Tuesday to some people. <laughs> so I found out today that Steve Vai and Ozzy Osbourne recorded a whole album back in the 1990s in Steve Vai's wow. studio. Wow. And it's sitting on a shelf, never been released. It's on. It's in Steve Vai's vault, but he has wow. no rights to release it. Sharon, Sharon. must have something to do with it. Apparently, this was when Ozzy was in his osmosis phase. Yeah, what I read. So in osmosis, he O-Z-M-O-S-I-S. I don't know. Yeah, that's how it's called. I have that. Well, it was in that phase where he was given an advance to do a record, and the idea was to go 
get a guitar player, Steve Vai, write a song with Steve Vai, go to somebody else, write a song with them, and it would be Ozzy with all these other guitar players. But he was having such fun with Steve Vai in the studio, and they they joked to each other, like, we should just do a whole record. Hmm. And they did. Wow. And it can't be, it's not going to be released. They, it Never. probably won't be released until after Ozzy Osbourne dies, somebody yeah. said. Sharon will you put know? it out to make money Sharon when does. she can make money, but while he's still alive, she won't let it come out. Yeah. I love Steve yes. I love him to death. I love everything Steve I does, even the White Snake album he did. He adds yep. as much. I would love to hear him with Ozzy yep. Osbourne. Love to. Yeah. How about this? <clears throat> Did, you I know who David Sandberg is. In that realm, I think he's a different breed than a lot of those guitar players yes. in that realm. Yes. I he's, thought, a Zappa, yep. he's a Zappa yeah. type. Yeah. And Zappa, yeah. yeah, exactly. He's got more yeah. depth, actually. Yep. Yeah. David Sanborn, the uh, sax player, you know who he is, right? Everybody oh, knows yeah. who he is. Famous sax oh, player. Yeah. Do you know he was at Woodstock in 1969? Did he really? Shot on he was with the Butterfield Blues Band, Paul Butterfield yes, Blues yeah. Band. Wow. So he was there, 1969 at Woodstock. David Sanborn. Oh, that's amazing. Yep. He was in that. He was in that ripped army of mud people, as Robbie Robertson called it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A ripped army of mud people. Yep. And I have. Uh, I have two things, both about Roger Waters. This is a story, uh, Mark, you've told me the story, and I just read an article about it today. In 1977, while on the Animals Tour at Olympic Stadium in Montreal, Roger Waters was spitting at some hecklers, right? <laughs> and David Gilmore walked off the stage and watched the encore from the sound booth way back in the... Uh, the other end of the show. He had his own did, did disconnection with the audience moment when he realized that Snowy White, who was the backup guitarist, he toured with Roger Waters. Mm -hmm. He looks a little like David Gilmore. But when what when Gilmore walked off stage, the audience thought that Snowy White was David Gilmore. And he's like, I'm in the audience and they all think I'm the one on stage. So Waters and Gilmore both had that fuck this shit. Like you're yeah. separated from the audience, you know. And so yeah. on the Animals tour, there was a backup guitar player. Did, did yeah. he play? Yeah, Snowy White. Yeah, he backed him up. He um, we he played. I guess he did rhythm. I guess because okay. Okay. on record Dave is doing the rhythm <clears throat> and the lead, so Dave had to right, solo. Yeah. So they had this guy probably just holding. I, I, I never, it, you know. I never heard of them playing with another musician or like a backup. Some and and a guitar yeah. thing that that yeah. far back. Okay. If wow, you see okay. a picture of Snowy White <clears throat> back in the day, he had the same Lizzie. hair as David, and yeah, yeah. And he, he, if you were in the crowd and you were stoned, you would think that was David Gilmore. You wouldn't know any better, you know. Okay. And he's also a fabric softener. And the uh, <laughs> the problem that uh, Roger Waters had was that there was no opening act. Yeah. So the crowd now is, of course, restless, and it, it, you know it's like the night that was cursed or something. He, like from the start. And, but he was spitting at people. He was apparently he, he was spit at one at people, fan yeah. that was saying something, and he he said that that was like the genesis of his idea for the wall, pink. The how I'm pink becomes right. separated, you know. Yeah. He uh, yeah. he just felt a separation from the crowd, and that be he started writing the wall, and that's where you got that from. Now, one other thing too, Bob Ezrin. Speaking of the wall, Bob yeah. Ezrin was the producer of the wall, right? Yeah. Producing it with Roger and Dave, I I I would assume. Yeah. Bob Edwards says the greatest mind he's ever worked with is Roger Waters. He also said the most difficult person I've ever worked with is Roger Waters. <laughs> wow. Yes. So I, I find Those that two. interesting, too. Those so he two. Found him, 
He found him more the, complex than Alice Cooper. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Well, those two, type A, I can imagine the wall was historical. And I don't know, did Bob Desert do the final cut? No, Roger Waters produced that. But that wall album, the fact that it came out at all in some ways, they fired Richard Wright during the recording of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of musicians, like I said, Jordan Rudis from Dream Theater being one of them, but uh, Lee Rittenauer's on that album. There's so many yep. different musicians on that album. How it And how it ended up being what it is. It's amazing. Mm. But Bob Ezrin, Waters needed Ezrin at that point, you know? And Ezrin kept mm. the glue. He was yeah, the glue that yeah. kept everything together. Mm. Did Lee, Lee, Lee Rittenauer play the guitar solo on The Wall, or is that Gilmore, the song? I, I'm i not sure. I, I think that it, I, I, from what I understand, it's all Gilmore did all the solos. Okay. But, mm. it, uh, you know, <clears throat> is there anybody out there? And then you hear that forlorn, dun, 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 that, that acoustic guitar playing. It's like nylon mm. string. I was thinking that could have been Lee Rittenauer mm. because David Gilmore doesn't play a nylon string guitar. Okay. So I'm thinking yeah. that could have been him. But who knows? Who knows what he mm. played, you know? But I, I do have another subject, Mark. It's something that you spoke about last week, and I did a little research on it. And do you want to you take that one, Mark? Sure. The latest issues of Sports Illustrated, Rolling Stone, and other magazines are still loaded with tobacco ads. Kids don't even have to open Sports Illustrated to see the Winston ad on the back cover. Because you had mm -hmm. mentioned that Rolling Stone still – and I said, how can that be? I thought it was yeah. – I thought it was part of yeah. this deal where the you know the tobacco companies had to pay billions or something. No, they they can advertise, but they have to put that little disclaimer, that white box that we've been seeing for yeah. years that says it causes yeah. lung cancer. That's the Surgeon General's warning. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's one more, Mark. If you want to take <laughs> yeah. this one too, this is to Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, okay, there you go. States to sue R.J. Reynolds for Rolling Stone ad. Camel ads coupled with illustrations promoting rock music in Rolling Stone's magazine violate the industry's promise not to use cartoons to sell cigarettes, state prosecutors said. Mm -hmm. Joe so Camel. They're, Remember they're still Joe using Camel? Joe Camel, Lou, probably, yeah. right? Oh and, uh, yeah. That stuff. And, uh, so you, so you, know, you know how on TV – that like, all right, so you see Budweiser tries to get in with the youngsters, right? So they'll sure, show a bunch yeah. of young kids hanging yep. out, having Bud Light, and they're mm -hmm. looking cool. They do that in these ads. Like, you'll see a bunch of young kids that, mostly young kids, like, the, the kind that don't smoke. Like, they're just, like, trendy kids with the nice, and they're sitting there like yeah, this, yeah. smoking cigarettes. Mm -hmm. It's so bad. It's it's bad. But the yeah. sad part is it probably will get a whole new generation hooked. I think smoking's on the rise. I see more people smoking right now. Yeah. And my opinion is, if you want to smoke, fine. But the fact is, that's the one thing. Like, if I drink this wine, the guy next to me is not going to get drunk. Someone smokes a cigarette next to me, I'm coughing my fucking head off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, but, the, the, there's always the, the, the glamorization stuff like that. You know, rock and roll, that was yeah. a big tie-in, you know? And, and yeah. You a lot of your favorite guitar players playing with a cigarette in their guitar. Or, you Lou, know, but I think, I, giving yeah. the knowledge. I mean, Jeff Porcaro is a drummer. I can picture playing yeah. drums with a cigarette. I'm like, you know, I was an Eddie guy. So because Eddie Van Halen, I put my cigarette in the headstock and play because Eddie Van Halen did that. That was You're me. I know? never did that. Lou can verify that I never did that. No, you never did. No. I've never <laughs> smoked a, a cigarette smoker. in my life. Good for you. I've secondhand I was... smoked more, more than I can ever count. <laughs> in fact, that's a lot of reasons why um, in New Jersey and playing clubs, I couldn't sing. I couldn't sing. Yeah. Since yeah, I live in North yeah. Carolina, it's been a whole different story. And, and also the, the fact that you cannot smoke in enclosed uh, spaces anymore. Right? Yeah. We're, we're kind of preaching, but it's for a good reason. And we're not being preaching, but it's just yep. 
I mean, they're open about you know to have advertising something that is that it's like liquor ads too. Yeah, and well, yeah, yeah. even 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 beer, you know, it's like you know, driving drunks worse than driving under other things. I think it's just. I mean, I would never say that I'm having this great glass of yellowtail chardonnay mm-hmm. that is made, moderately priced, uh, less than most, <laughs> and you get a good good drink from it. But anyway, you're home. But you're home, just yeah. like home. home. Yeah. I have another random story, Lou, and this one good pertains kids. to you, to what you've been talking about. I've been talking shit. It's a little 30-second uh, <laughs> clip or something. It's kind of funny, I think. So uh, okay. the personalities of the guys in the Turtles. And, uh, oh, okay. Let's give the it a turtles. listen, all right? Turtle. My name is Mark Bowman, and uh, I'm from Los Angeles, California. How old are you, Mark? I'm 20. I'm Jim Pons from Los Angeles, California, 24. Howard came in Los Angeles, California, weighing at about 175 pounds, black trucks. Oh, I'm about 20. And you're 20, and you? Uh, come on, John, come on, man, you can do it. Hi, uh, I'm Johnny Barbada. I'm 22 years old. I'm from Passaic, New Jersey. <laughs> Al Nickel, I'm 21. I'm from Woodland Hill. <laughs> <laughs> they were 20 years old they they yep, cheered him when he said thank did you hear that there were people yeah. clapping <laughs> yeah but um, that guy's funny i weigh in at 170 pounds black trunks <laughs> <laughs> are they really 20 oh yeah there's this thing in rock where sometimes the van halen brothers even shaved two years off their age he looks the, mark volman looks 20 okay yeah they, they, yeah they look young they look young yeah no, that was funny. Johnny Barbada. Johnny Barbada, yeah. yep. For Passaic. Yeah, I guess they'll have to get that book. Yep. Oh, oh, like Corporal Agorn from F Troop. <laughs> Passaic, New Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> oh, who is, so I have to tell who Mark. Who from Patterson, New Jersey? Who, who was famous in the movies? The, the and, Costello guy, Lou Costello. Lou, Lou Costello. Yeah. I have to tell Mark. I yeah. actually heard and saw a video. For Stephen Wilson's single from Codex, is it called the Light Life? The uh, which song? Is I don't know. Whatever the single what, is, was it the video where there's a car crash and there's a girl and a guy and they dance backwards? I that's was really listening song. and not really watching. Yeah. You know, that's, it was that's, on my phone. Yeah, that's when you said it could have been a hit in the nineties, right, Mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, uh, good song. A good song. Yeah, he's uh, a good vocalist. He's a very laid back vocalist. Yeah, he's not a natural vocalist. That's what I like about him. I hear a little bit of, I I hear Alan Parsons in there, Mm -hmm. and I hear a little, uh, all that mellowness. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Steve is a fascinating character because he's known for prog, but really, Porcupine Tree, the band he had, did a lot of pop before they went prog. He just happened to go prog, and he got a lot of fans. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is, when you go pop, when you go prog and then you go back to pop, those prog fans turn on you. So he's, he doesn't care. He goes, I love that. They love me. And that, that the fact that they would say they hate my music means they care. That's what he says. But, uh, yeah. this album is like a, a gelling of a lot of his influences. He's getting, it's, it's more, it's pop. The last album was really 80 styles, analog synth pop. This one is just a good album. I can't, you can't classify it. That's the kind of music I like classify the steve wilson album i'm not i'm not going to classify it 
Let's no, but I even rock, hear a little bit know? of uh, I, when I when on the guitar solo on the song, I hear a little David Gilmore. I hear yes. like, all of the influences from this guy. <clears throat> yes, yeah. and you know he yeah. records these albums right now. This album is all in his home studio. He does a great job. Yeah. But then again, the guy remixes King Crimson, Jethro Tull, all yeah. these albums, Chicago. Mm-hmm. So he's got the ears. He can work in his home. But yeah. I just love it's it's a testament to what we when we do our music rolls radio show recording at home. If you really are good at it, you can make an album like the Stephen Wilson, Stephen Wilson yeah, album. Well, this you know, he has super high-end equipment, too. I mean, come, there's yeah, a difference now, between... Yeah. The uh, thing you is, know. though, uh, you know, what, what, he, what it means, though, is that he's doing it in a good way, because some people record at home, it comes out sterile. Even big musicians. His stuff sounds good, you know? He's, he's got mm-hmm. that. He knows how to do it. He knows how to record yeah. at home, but make I can it tell sound... It's digital. it's digital, though, too. I can tell that. Uh, he, mixes, uh, sure he mixes it up. There are many yeah. plugins that he uses in his little. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you're recording yep. a laptop, there's it's, it's very rarely is it direct. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. When Lou, it is did direct, you have that's a... when it sounds sterile. Lou, yeah. in North Carolina, do you get a new uh, new uh, con- congressional uh, congressman elected? Nothing. I thought I found a picture of a new. Uh... Is that your new congressman? <laughs> yes, that is that is our representative Sleestack. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought it was. <laughs> I thought that's what it was, by the way. <laughs> oh, here we go. Drum set. There you go. <laughs> My what are you doing, the Lou? <laughs> you kind of silly. <laughs> Lou, like, in that thing, he's like this. He's like, oh. <laughs> it looks like I'm he on the last his, He hangs his head in a hangdog manner. Watch. He's dropping his eyes in a hangdog manner. There he goes. Did you ever see? You ever see Bob's Burgers? He looks like one of the kids in Bob's, right? You're like, oh, Dad, come on. I see the a zombie apocalypse. I'm the last man on earth. I'm looking for other people out there. Anyway, I came across a clip or two of XTC in 1979. The English when they pop were, band. when they were quirky. XTC, yeah, from Swinton. Swindon from Swannanoa, North Carolina. North North Carolina. Swanshawfordshire. That's where, that's where, that, uh, Swinton? Swinton. Swindon, isn't it? No. Swindon, yeah. Not all bricks and mortar. That's that's Tilda Swindon, though. Come on. Tilda Swindon, yes. Something like that. But anyway, in 1979, they were really quirky. They were very young and very quirky. Yes, they were. And, uh, were they considered new wave? I think they were probably considered new wave. Yeah, but they were, uh, well, let's take a look what they sounded like with a a regular keyboard player in the band. I don't know who the drummer is. Barry Andrews was the keyboard player. Andy Partridge, right? Yeah. Wow. Quite like that. And they got to get. There's a story about why they got rid of that guy. Yeah. Santana. That is quirky. Yeah. Oh. 
I don't. Keyboards. I don't think of them with like a regular keyboard player. I uh, I can't. Nah. No, no. That was seventy nine. The drummer's called Terry Chambers. You know, at a quick look, you look like Andy Partridge, Lou. At a quick no, glance, no, I yeah. don't. You do, yeah. No, I don't. I'm at Neil a quick Pierce. glance, you do, yeah. That's yep. terrible. Uh, Andy Partridge now, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the keyboard player is called Barry Andrews. Barry Andrews, yeah. Yep. It almost like Santana there for a second. He ended up like uh, I have. I think I have one more clip. By the way, the bass That's player, quite a Colin Molding. He has. Colin Molding. I have the exact same bass that he's playing. I currently have it. Really? You'll show your, yeah. friend, yep. your friend is short neck? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, the Fender, Fender Music Master bass, I think. Yeah. <laughs> what a goof. I have that bass. Wow, nice bass. I have the exact same bass. Black, kind of. the black pick card. Fender Music Master. Right, cool. Like short, shorter scale. Yeah, short scale. Like this Danny Partridge bass. Look, the drummer's taking a drink of water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the song's called We All Shook. Now, that, that is a quirky band. That We're keyboardist quirky. was definitely a prog guy. <laughs> And I read in the New York yeah. Times a, a thing about New Wave. A lot of the bands in the late 70s and early 80s, like, they came, they were all prog fans, New Wave scene. Be, you know, they, you got to figure, they were in their teenage years when yeah, prog yep. was big. And that you had this, like, but they, some of them said, I could never play like that, so I'll play what I can play. Others mm. just said, we got to <clears> do something <throat> new, you know. But it's interesting. That was a prog keyboard setup. That's so weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, what happened keyboards, was. Yeah. I yeah. saw I saw a documentary about them. It's called "This Is Pop," and they were all t- and Barry Andrews. He wanted to write. He decided like I'm going to write half the album. You mm. write one half. I'll write the other half. Oh boy! <laughs> so Uh-oh. you knew there was going to be a problem because you have Andy Partridge, you have Colin Molding, and now this guy is demanding to write half of the re- of the songs yeah. on the record. Andy Partridge yeah. did one of these. <clears throat> yeah. Can you see it? Okay, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So that's a strange situation when yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Andy somebody Partridge. in the band just demands to write half of the record. Yeah. Sounds like Jay Bennett. <laughs> keyboard players can be weird. Yes. <laughs> Full time keyboard players. <laughs> yeah. Andy Partridge was born in Malta. Oh really? Wow. What was he? Uh, was he uh, what? Like, like, a, like uh, a diplomat son, like Joe Strong? Yeah. I don't know. Or um, military. But, um, XTC, their origins are from Swindon in Wiltshire. Swindon. Swindon. Yep. Yep. A little now, part town. Of it is sometimes regarded as the godfather of Britpop. That's what, what Steve you know? Wilson yeah. calls him. Steve Wilson, basically, he works. He, he remixed like... one of their records for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. A couple. Ah. Of, I think he did the catalog. Well, they they used to record at the manor that uh, Richard Branson owned the uh, estate, right? When they were yeah. on Virgin, of course. Who was who ran Virgin, right? Richard Branson. Yeah. Richard yep. Branson. Yeah. Let's go, I Branson. Funny, I find it funny that <laughs> the album they did with Todd Rundgren that was very acrimonious, but it worked out good. That album. Which album? Well, can, Todd, can, can I show something? Yeah. 
What is it? Who is it? That's Andy Partridge. <laughs> That's Andy Partridge. I'm telling you, quick glance. You're Andy Partridge, man. Lou's got a little less weight. This <laughs> is working overtime. <clears throat> he described his voice as a barking seal. Yes. But there's a documentary like out there. There's a documentary about XTC out there. It's called This Is Pop. It is really good. And it was them. Mm. They approved it. They they okay. kind of directed it. It was really, really good. Yeah. Great band. Dave Gregory band. was the other guitar Dave player. Dave Gregory. Great guitar player. And the drummer. Uh, I can't think of the can you, you who Lou, do you have the drummer's name right there? The drummer who left. But he was their drummer for quite a few records. Yeah, I, I just had it. <clears throat> yep. Um Glenn Miller. No, hang on. No. <laughs> He disappeared. Okay. Actually, we're almost, we're almost it's a there. bassoon. Wait. It's a bassoon. Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> shit. Model, model His name was shit. XTC, a rock, a rock band. Yes. A raga, a raga band. It was Terry Chambers. Terry Chambers was their drummer for quite a while. Yep. Yeah. And he left yeah. when they uh, when they went off the road and became a studio band like the Beatles did. He left the band. But yeah. then that's like Ringo leaving the Beatles because we're not touring. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> but well, uh, XTC were not selling huge amounts of records, you know. Correct, but, right? So, and but, you know, also was... XTC, you know, the, the workings behind the scenes. XTC was probably Andy Partridge and whoever he yeah. saw fit to be in XTC. So, and difficult. You're a hired gun. You got to work. Basically, yeah, I'm going to yeah. ask the night. <clears throat> I'm going to ask the naive question of the night. Andy Partridge wrote all the songs, right? No. No, no. Okay. Colin nope. Molding wrote a lot of a lot yeah. of their songs. So, yeah. Colin but Molding drummer, wrote, we're making plans for Nigel, Colin, uh, bass player. No, uh, yeah, yeah. Bass okay. Player. So yeah. the drummer Night, making plans for Nigel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the drummer didn't write anything probably, and he's like, "I gotta make money," you know. Yeah. And well, yeah, his bread and butter was yeah. Drummer. He had to go on the road to get paid. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also on, on oranges and lemons, Colin Molding saying, "King for King for a day." Yeah. Oh. Yep. Okay. Came for well, day. the gar- the Garden of Worldly Delights was that song, or Garden of Earthly Delights? The first of, song. That's a great song. That has uh, that has a Phrygian bass line on it. You yep. don't hear too many really? Phrygian bass lines. Wow. It's like the Ingve thing. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. Well, Andy Partridge tells the story that Virgin Records told them because their record sales were slipping. He told them that. You have the record company told them you have to get an American producer who knows what Americans like to hear on the radio. Oh God! Crap. So so um, Andy Parch is telling the story. Well, they they came by Harvey Dinkelheimer the third. You know we don't want him. You know Harry Dinkelberry the third. And the last one they said was Todd Rudgen. Like oh I I know who that is. Todd Rudgen. That was the name that wow. they knew. I, I had a record by him one time. So that's how they decided to get Todd Rudgren, the American, to produce that record. Mm. Which one and was it? It was the one with Dear God on it. Yeah. And yeah, Grass okay. was the single. Right. The single Grass written by Colin Molding was the single. The flip but, side of the single was Dear God. Dear God yeah. was a huge MTV hit. That's well, how it I was. Yeah. It was one sure. of those where yeah, the yeah. DJs flipped over the 45 and yeah. that became the hit. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. What what was the name of that record? Was it uh, Skylarking? No, no, no. Sky? No, no. Uh, no it might be no. Skylarking. Yeah. Um, I don't think the one so. that Todd produced, Lou. I'm going there. But Andy Andy Partridge bumped heads with Todd Rudgen like yeah, you would I not heard. believe. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, was that wait, wait? There was an English settlement. <laughs> no, 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 that was too early. Well, that, that was eighty-two. Mummer, mummer. I'm no, it was skylarking. Me. It was skylarking. Skylarking with Dear God on it. Yeah, yeah, grass. skylarking. Yeah, yeah. 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 Grass was the second album, a uh, second song on the album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Gr- Grass well, that was, was Skylarking was eighty six. Yeah. Wow. Well, they okay. got Todd. Yeah, because this one, they said you have to get an American a Todd, and Andy Partridge even says under documentary, he says Todd Rudgren is a great arranger, but he yeah. wouldn't. He just couldn't <laughs> give him credit. So Todd tells the story. This, the band went back to England. They said, you know, next thing you know, we're in the Catskill Mountains in New York State, and it was great. We loved it. <laughs> so I assume they were at Todd's studio up there. I don't Bearsville. know if it was still Bearsville or no, not. It, back it wasn't, then. It I don't wasn't know. Bearsville. It was Utopia no, Sound it, Studio. Yeah, that's studio. Todd. That's Todd's place, His Utopia. Studio, yep. yeah. He yeah, sold it. Check, but, check yeah. this out. Rundgren played a large role in the album's sound design and drum programming, providing the band with orchestral arrangements and then yes. assortment of gear. However, the sessions were fraught with tension between him and Partridge. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah. Drum pattern. They argued over drum patterns, song selections. That's like real nuts and bolts stuff. Yeah. And, and so what happened was, uh, <clears throat> Lou probably read it there, the band went back to England, and they decided to keep Dear God off the record. <clears throat> they, they, they didn't start. want it on the record. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. then it became a hit. And they had to scramble to, you know, to add it to the uh, to the record. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is there an explanation about that in there, Lou? You know why? Because what? it was it was distributed by Geffen Records. Oh. <laughs> David Geffen said, "You put that fucking song back on an album, you lost squeeze your nuts." Oh, so they were they fingers. were off a of virgin at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So guys, uh, I gotta um, make money. I yeah, gotta make dear, money. Dear, early sales of the album were hampered by the omission of Dear God from the album's original pressings. Yes. In the U.S., the song became a college radio hit. It was a college yes. radio hit. Yep. Uh, causing U.S. distributor Geffen Records to recall and repress Skylarking, Skylarking with the track included, yep. and propelling the album to number 70. Hmm. Yeah. So, and uh, college, radio, college radio was so influential in the 80s. I mean, yep. The, yep. All, all the stuff we heard, I mean, I heard and you heard. And, and a video to yeah. boot. Of course, for dear God, to be yep. great video. Can you guys yeah. guess why I like that song so much and why I picked up an XCC? Because of Zion Lutheran. I, I was going to say just religion in general. Why I like sure. sympathy oh, yeah. for the devil. My upbringing yeah. didn't you have to do with Zion? It was just everything. Oh, because he says, "Dear God, I can't believe in you." Right? I just glory yeah. about Patty Smith. Yeah, yeah and. and uh, yeah. And also, when I heard it, that was my introduction to, to Andy Partridge. Like millions, it was hit. But I said, "Wow, what what a great songwriting! Like the chords and everything." Yeah. I could just well, listen, listen to the lyrics, though. You know, oh, yeah, um, heavy, you, you know, you're, I don't, I don't, don't, I don't mean a big reduction in the price of beer, but all the people that you made in your image are fighting in the street because they can't get enough to eat from yeah. you. I don't That's believe in lyrics. you. I, yeah, I, yep. yeah, I don't believe in you. That's great yep. lyrics. Because great they lyrics. can't make opinions meet about God. Yeah. I mean, that explains, you know, that's. Yeah. And then yeah. they're fighting over real estate. Hey, you know, he could yeah. be referencing yep. Ireland at that time, you know, what was going on there. It's like, yeah, people that yeah. follow you can't agree, you know. My God's better than your God. Yeah. My God wants the New York Giants to win. No, my God wants the New York Yankees to win. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. well, check this out Skylarking has been listed on 100 greatest albums of the 1980s list by Rolling Stone 
by wow. Rolling Stone and Pitchfork. Wow. Now, check this out. Wow. It was discovered that a, wait, in 2010, it was discovered that a writing, a wiring error made during the mastering process caused the album to have a thin sound. The problem was corrected and on subsequent masters. In 2016, an expanded reissue was released by Partridge's Ape Records with demos, outtakes, and new stereo and surround sound mixes by Stephen Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Steve well, Wilson. Yeah. 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 Well, he ha- you know, he has That's his... Uh, Stephen Wilson has his... Um, <laughs> you know, he has everything that he needs right there, right? So, Steve, let me just, just, just uh, mention Steve again one more time. In remixing catalogs he 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 got the trust the total trust of three major musicians yeah andy partridge robert fripp fripp said do what you want to do with the king crimson catalog i'm not gonna you and ian anderson these guys like ian anderson and robert fripp said remix the albums i don't need to hear it they trusted him that's major that's that's that's, that's huge yeah Yeah. i can't believe that andy partridge didn't he wanted to be there. I know Andy. He's hands on, yeah. you know. But still, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he, but him and Todd, he and Todd Rudgren bore bumping heads. Man. You yeah. know, Todd's funny. Todd either strikes gold with a band, or he's he's had some glorious failures. So a lot of people consider the album he did with Cheap Trick, Next Position, please, to be mm-hmm. one of their worst. I like it. Yeah. But he he put it into a sound. It had he yeah. had a, he was like Roy Thomas Baker. He had a high compressed sound, like yeah. Bad Out of Hell. Well. Exposition, mm-hmm. please, had and a very also, compressed sound. I like Think it, about know? how good Dear God actually <laughs> sounds. Todd Rudgren mixed the record, too, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this guy is, this guy is a, a genius. Todd sure. Sure. Of course he is, yeah. Yeah. He, he, was, he was a young prodigy. He was a, a wunderkind. You know? Yeah, he, right? He produced Something, the anything, band's stage right? fright album in 1970. So yeah. he been much more than a boy when he did that. Yeah. I saw, him, I saw him about seven years ago at the Tarrytown Music Hall. And he does a three-part show. He comes out and he does his first part is his new music. And he dresses. He does like a choreographed show mm-hmm. with there are two girls behind him. Then the middle part was he does like his older stuff, but he does the heavier stuff. So he dresses like a hard rock yeah. musician. And he's got his guitar. Then he comes out for the final part is all his R&B. And he, I hate to say it because he's he was 70 at the time. He takes his shirt off. Not pretty when a 70-year-old guy. But he's crooning with his shirt off like, doing this R&B. The guy is like such a performer. He's amazing. So in addition to what he does yeah. for other bands, yep. his own career, what he does, he's yeah. he's great. Well, he forget, way back in the day, he used to wear outfits that the fans made for him. Yeah. He'd yeah. wear these outlandish outfits. You know, it was almost like an Elton John thing, but almost, the fans yeah, would make the al- the uh, outfits yeah. for him, and he'd wear them. Yep. He also has a tie-in to the Philly soul sound in his own way. He does. Yeah. He's yeah. very yeah. soulful. If you yeah. listen yeah. to something, anything. You yeah. know his his masterpiece really is something anything and a couple right. of records after that. But wow, you you hear Beach Boys in there, mm-hmm. you hear Philly Soul in With there, soul you hear them. all that stuff in there. Yep. So when I went to Saugerties Woodstock, which was the first Woodstock after the original, the good one, mm-hmm. not the the fucking Rome show. Um, me and Pat 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 O'Leary were walking around. Ed Rain, so we're walking in the concession area, the village, and it was mud. We're walking, and we hear music, right? And in the middle of the whole village was Todd Rundgren in a little circular stage, teeny, like people could walk right up to him. And he had, this is back in 94, so yep. MIDI wasn't as progressed yet, but he had backing tracks and he was doing percussion. He was just playing. And it was amazing. Like, we're right there. Nobody else was watching him. Nobody. So Pat, who's a drummer, my good friend, 
he got up there and he said, can I come up? He said, come on up. And he played with them and they did yeah. some drumming together. And well, that was just weird that here is Woodstock. We're in Woodstock, Saugerties at the Woodstock Festival. And Todd could have gotten on the main stage and done his thing, but he was doing this little teeny thing yeah. in the concession village. I thought that was cool. Oh, by the yeah, way, since the 1970s, Todd would do that where he'd play a show by himself and he'd have a reel to reel player behind him of stuff he recorded. Hmm. You know, with hmm. so his backing track is him yeah, yeah. on a reel to reel. Yep. He was always yep. ahead of the game, right? Yeah. What was yeah, ahead of the game with video production and everything? Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. the the band Utopia was very modernistic. Um, yeah. yeah. Was it was the drummer Willie Wilcox? Maybe I don't know if that's right. Uh, he played I in the no, Kasim Salton was the bass. Yeah, he was the bass player. But the bass drummer, player. I think it was Willie I, Wilcox. Willie maybe. Wilcox. Willie Lee Cox. I get these names mixed up. Yeah. So yeah. Prairie Prince wasn't but, the drummer. I thought he was the drummer for you. No, I think it was Willie Wilcox. I think okay. I lose right on with that. Yeah. The guy sat in it. It was a it was a sit down electric drum kit, but. It looked like one of those bicycles where the guy, like, you're almost laying down with your neck sitting yeah, up, which yeah. was really yep. awkward. It looked like it was one that kind of drum kit. It looked like he was sitting in, like, some kind of, like, yeah. formula car or something. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was very futuristic, very visionary. What yeah. was the uh, Todd Rundgren song where he thanked Levon Helm for the drum inspiration? Oh, I don't know. I think it was it I Saw was. the Light. Really? Really? I listen I to so. it again. I think it's the thanks leave on. Uh, Perry, I think I thought you told me that years back, way back in the day. Oh, uh, I don't know. Are you gonna leave on a helmet impersonation? Oh, the single girl. Oh, the single girl. Who was that? That was Leave on. Who? That was Leave on from Dirt Farmer. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> back oh, in the was, day when I, I had to get that. That was when Leave on was struggling with his voice, right? <laughs> When he was back winning Grammys. Back in a day when music rolls oh, from the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know what, guys? I think we had a good show today. What do you figure? We had an excellent show. Excellent. Yeah, show. I think so. Yeah. Well, you Fun know what? Time. I think uh, it might be a little closing. Uh, oh, it's, who are the. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows which way this show is going, right? Every which way but loose. That's the story yeah. of my life. While you're turning me. <laughs> Jump, Phil Lou. Boom, 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 boom. Every which way but loose. You turn me every which way but loose. The loose. detours. <laughs> Who were the detours before they were the biggest, one of the biggest bands in the world? Oh, the, I can't remember. The detours I, became I, the, the. Frankie Valley and the. English, oh. English. The oh who. yeah, they became uh, the who. They the became who. the who. Yeah, I the thought who. they were the high numbers. They were the high numbers. They were the detours. Who is the face? They're Stinglehopper. No, it's Roger Daltrey. Oh, I Daltry. thought Daltry. you meant Ace Face. Uh, oh, oh, from Quadrophenia. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Sting and Ding Ding Ding. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let me let me just do this closing. Uh, let me just do this closing theme. Yeah, and, and if you like the music relish show and you want to listen to it, you can. We can be found on Spotify, Spotify, Apple, Apple, Google Podcasts, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Amazon Music, Amazon Alexa, Amazon Alexa, Pocket Casts, Pocket Casts. Don't say it, Lou. Overcast, <laughs> Overcast, Pod Chaser. Podcast Addict. Odyssey. Yeah, Odyssey of Hope. <laughs> of course, YouTube. YouTube. And some site called Fossey Book. <laughs> Fossey Book. <laughs> 
Facebook, apparently. Every now and again. So let's let's find this closing scene, Why right? Try? No. no <laughs> oh, Getty Lee's book is coming out in two weeks. My yes. ass in life, I pre-ordered yeah. it. He's doing uh, a, he's doing a book tour also. By oh, the way. Cool. Yeah. Yep. I miss Neil Peart. Me Neil too. I, I, I watched uh, the documentary of their final tour. Uh, <laughs> anyway, right. Thank you, though. Thanks, Neil. It was a good show tonight. Yes, it was. We're still recording, by the way. Lucolicchio. Perry Dedovich. Marcos. Patrick. <laughs> There's no preparation, Patrick. There's like preparation P. It's all preparation and no H. <laughs> Is it a hemorrhagic preparatal? Preparation H, baby. I think they should ring a fire as a uh, tux commercial. Tux. Uh, to a burn oh. ring of fire. I, I, I might have a ham steak tonight, so I may need some tux pads in a couple of times. Then <laughs> other that famous drummer, Tux Weinberg. That's <laughs> uh, that, like a suable comment. But I don't care, because take what I have. Because it's a show. It's a show. Lighten up. Serious artist. Lighten up. Loosen up your ponytail. Luca Licchio. Our friend Mark Smith. Period. bitch. The Music Relish Show. It's the Music Relish Show. A music discussion podcast. Do, 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 do. I like the strings. I can noodle. Oodles of noodles. It's the noodle cat. You got the, is that the telecaster <laughs> or the noodle caster? <laughs> Good night. Good night. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good night. Good night. Sweet dreams. We don't want to be seen cutting our head, hanging our heads in a hangdog manner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. Hey, what is that thing to the left? What is that thing to the left? Is that a it's drum, a drum set? set? Is that a drum set over there? Follow the arrow. It's a symbol, let actually. Me loop, let me loop this thing. Let's <laughs> keep looping it. I look depressed. <laughs> I'm feeling down. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling yeah. very down. You can hear the sigh. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> it's loose thing. Oh boy. Mark, is that the last song? Let's call the last man on earth. <laughs> Zombie apocalypse. <laughs> is there anybody out there? I'm hungry. I want some canned food. I want some Vandekamp's weenie beanies in a can. That you know, actually, it's ago. interesting you say that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I have Franks and Beans. Frank and Beans. Franks and Beans. I have them. I have, I have, and. Uh, I put the can. You know, first I cook the hot dogs first, chop them up, mm -hmm. and uh, 
Put in a can of beans, and there he is, Franks and Beans. There you go. So this morning for breakfast, I had beans and toast. Yeah. You're so British. Yeah. Irish. Beans and toast are great. I kind of like them, too. Yeah. Gives you protein first thing in the morning. You fart your brains out all day. (laughs) It's it's fibrous. I I had a bowl of Cheerios and orange juice and coffee. Really? But for dinner, I'm having... What kind of milk? I I use 2% milk. Now, for dinner, I'm having a, a, a reheated uh, pork tenderloin with some mac and cheese and some broccoli. Heck yeah. yeah what man. is happening here, Mark? What What is this? He's chorusy. He's chorusy. It's like Marcy chorusy. He's like chorusy. Like, That's the stage. He's like Captain Flange. He's a flanger. Under <laughs> <laughs> Flangerhofen. Is that Wait. an original song, Mark Smith? Here's something for Perry. This is for you. Oh. <laughs> Sounds more funky than Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> cool. What was that? Uh, I got, we don't need no, no education. I got the, the one? deep sigh from Perry. I achieved my mission. I got the. Oh, Let me go, Scott McLean, on you. <sighs> no, I can't do it like Scott does. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's yeah, he did like some wrestling. It's like dude, when you let right? your bowels go when you when you're driving and he can't reach the final rest area, uh, he just let it go. Or like Al, Al Pacino said in Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, nothing like a good dump. <laughs> Whatever awkward line he uttered in it. Like you would have took a 12 hour shoot. I know how to play taps on the guitar. Here, take my double, double tapping? Double tapping? No, taps, you know. Funeral. No, no, no. The taps. That's a national anthem, dude. <laughs> <laughs> is that taps? Taps is this. Can you hear it? Listen. Tap shoes. Mark Noodling. <laughs> Safely rest. There's lyrics to taps. There's words to taps, too. <laughs> Go to sleep. Good night. You have to sing in the voice of Arlie Ermey, though. Hit the light, sweetheart. Hit the light, sweetheart. Go to bed. Stanley Kubrick movie, uh, <laughs> Paths of Glory. We don't want to be, we don't want to be caught hanging our heads in a hangdog manner, right, Lou? There we go. <laughs> Here it comes. There we go. Oh boy. <laughs> so weary. Oh boy. And in, in, in his head, he's going fucking Perry again. Man. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I love the attention. I really do. <laughs> well, anyway, how about we say goodnight? Yes. You're still recording? Fuck me. How's your disease written? <laughs> Fairly well. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming in. Good Goodbye. Night, Goodbye. Guten Biden. <laughs>